nestled on the western edge of Port Phillip Bay, an hour and a half's drive from the deadly intrigues of Melbourne, lies Gateway City, the hub of the region. G-Town. The last four decades, an uneasy peace has existed between the Anarchs and Camarilla in G-Town. Their borders meeting on Bruce Street in the very centre of the city, the two sects divide the domain neatly in two. The native Anarchs, consolidated in the industrial north, have learned to tolerate Prince Aveline and her Camarilla invaders, and she in turn grants all Anarchs the right to hunt and conduct business in her waterfront domain. Anarch rabble-rousers and Camarilla traditionalists each afford their counterparts reluctant respect. Until now. Word from Melbourne has reached the kindred of G-Town. Prince Squizzy wages a war on three fronts against a newly reorganised Anarch faction, Sabat Infiltrators and the Onslaught of the Second Inquisition. As refugees from both sects flood into Gateway to escape the oncoming chaos, local tensions flare, and the truce that has maintained peace since 1983 will be pushed to its limits. Welcome to Lords of G-Town, a Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition actual play podcast presented by DM Fiat Podcast. With music by Kevin McLeod, White Bat Audio, Ivan Duch, and Jaxius Music. Now, as the sun sets on the city and the blood stirs, let's see what horrors the kindred face this night. Welcome back, everyone. A blood moon hangs in the night skies above G-Town. Its eerie light glimmering reflected in the inky blackness of Cowie's Bay. And how appropriate that is for tonight, perhaps the longest night you've had to endure in the decades you've been vampires. You've run into things that you cannot understand. You were summoned by Prince Aveline. It turned out that Sam Stokes, your benef- your, your beneficial patron, your benefactor, was undergoing a sort of witch hunt. The prince and her advisors, who for some time have believed Sam to be working outside of their control, secretly working to undermine them, and who are especially suspicious of the disappearance of Val, decided to make a power play. It culminated in Prince Aveline blood-bonding you all each a step to enforce 
her will over Sam, essentially commandeering Sam's coterie, and then she tasked you with heading down to an abandoned mall in the sleepy southern suburbs of G-Town, suspected to be the hideout of a lupine. A lupine that over the last few weeks has been carving a veritable bloodbath across Cam and Anarch Domain alike. Arriving at the mall, you quickly realised you were in over your heads. Oh, you found the lupine. You spied her watching you from inside the mall, just beyond the construction site. But it turns out the lupine was not the true threat. It was Marion who alerted it, that impossibly tall, gangly, pale-skinned, spindly-limbed abomination that wore a tattered, grimy dress indicating at some point it had once been human. Tig bore the brunt of the attack. And what an attack it was. And that's when the lupine burst out of the mall, charged onto the construction yard and roared for you to take shelter in the mall while it tackled the monster to the ground and began to do battle. You quickly rounded up Cat, who had been driven out of her wits with terror at the sight of the werewolf and the spindly-limbed demon. And you sprinted for safety towards the mall entrance, Tig leading the way. And that's where we left off, on a cliffhanger. So, let's continue. You've just burst through the double glass doors into the mall lobby. Your boots squeaking on the grimy tile work underfoot as you dash past fake pot plants and vending machines into the mall proper and... In here, the only source of light is the ambient light from the full moon above streaming in through the glass skylight. The mall itself is, itself is nothing more than a haze of black and blue with vaguely defined shapes and shadows all around you, except for you, Tig. As I recall, last session you activated Eyes of the Beast. Oh, yeah. So Tig stands, holds up his hand for you all to stop, and slowly scans the area, his eyes glimmering bright yellow in the darkness, like a cat, or perhaps more appropriately for Tig, a dog searching for prey. Outside, behind you, you can hear the loud sobs, screams, and yelps of the demon and the lupine doing battle. You try to shut it out of your mind and find a place to hide. Tig, to your right, 
There's a seemingly endless stream of storefronts extending from here onwards into the darkness. Thick plastic shutter doors are pulled over the front of each of the storefronts, save for one. A clothing store with a sign reading Cassie's Clothes. On this one, the shutter hangs halfway open, its bottom lip curled up into itself, warped and twisted as if wrenched open by a great force. To your left, there are no storefronts at all, rather a th rather a opaque blue sheet has been pulled over the wall, emblazoned with Pentex logos and bold lettering proclaiming NEW ATTRACTIONS COMING SOON! Through a gap in the sheet, you can just make out a metal door where someone has taped a piece of paper reading in 40 point times New Roman authorized personnel only construction site. <sighs> Shit. <sighs> um. Which way? Which way then? Antig is going to turn as the other. Hey. Right is an open storefront, left is a metal door. And he turns, and while the others figure it out, he calls for his hounds. Hmm. Go ahead and roll me for your feral whispers, please. They are bonfamuli, so they're close, so I don't believe I have to rouse. Thankfully. You do not have to rouse, but I will ask you to make a charisma animal ken roll for me. Here we Three successes. Three successes. Outside, the loud sobs and the roars and yelps of the lupine continue to ring out. And then you hear something else, a very distant but welcome sound. <laughs> Tig's dog somewhere in the darkness of the construction site outside. Probably bounding through the open gate, trying desperately to get to you. But there'll be a few minutes. In the meantime, Tig, you've got to lead the coterie to safety. Find a place to hide until this lupine is done subduing her quarry. Okay. Don't know how to get through the metal door, so... If nobody's yelled a suggestion, he'll make for Cassie's and slide under the... Uh shutter. The door. Anyone have any preferences? Bear in mind, you can barely see the area around you. You're going entirely on where Tig's leading you and what he says he can see. It sounds like you have the choice between a clothing store and an, and a store under construction. Any preference? Metal or weather more attacks? Uh, Metal. I think that the clothing store is a good idea because we need to get into the hallways behind the stores. Yeah, yeah. you get like the item our, from our the goal. clothing store and then you go out the back door and it's it's actually mm -hmm. the same hallway that you were in before. Because <laughs> last session, Cat uh, Cat did suggest that getting to the control room of the mall might be an objective. You could get a fire drill activated and that would flush the mortals, the urban explorers, out of the mall and out of the danger of the various supernatural creatures prowling in the mall tonight. 
the clothing store, Cat calls, and Tig takes the lead, ushering for the rest of you to follow. You reach the half-open shutter and Tig grabs it, pushes it up slightly more, just enough to allow the rest of you to scramble underneath, and then ducks under himself, pulling it down once again. The shutter's warped enough that it doesn't fully close. It doesn't fully reach the tiled floor. That's fine. Leaves a space for the dogs. Just about enough space, you think. I don't think it's going to fit through that gap, so it should be okay. Sure And sure enough, just as Tig's wrenching the shutter door closed, you hear the sound of something crashing out in the mall lobby. The sound of breaking glass, a pot plant being knocked over, and then you see, Tig, the familiar muzzle, the glowing eyes of your canine companions tearing down the middle of the mall, barking. Yeah. You hold the shutter open for them just enough so that they scramble underneath and then let it go, and the warped shutter just sort of shakes and drops about half a metre, leaving a small gap down at the bottom. I'll find find a rack or something to pull over to wedge it to make some noise and slow down anyone trying to lift it. Sure. You You take a brief look around the store, and as you do so, I would like everyone to make a rouse check, please. All right. Something's got our blood stirring. Oh, that's a fail. It's a fail it's on my up. Hunger up. Oh god, I'm at four. Mmm, this could be bad. <laughs> I have a bunch of willpower left, but that's all. That'll that'll probably be your resource this session. And Bouncer, how'd you go on that rouse check? Uh, success. Don't get okay. I wasn't, I wasn't um, dominating this thing anyway. So we, so. we lost hunger on that. Yep. That, so, uh, so what are we all? Uh, what are we zero. all? You're well. You were you were at one, I believe, but now you're at one. Mm-hmm. Well, so you, so so Ember, your hunger counts up. It doesn't count down. The less, oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah. So when it when it count it counts down when you feed, but when you get hungry, it goes up because you add more hunger dice to your pool. So I believe you're at two I'm at, at the two. moment. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I got confused between the. That's okay. Don't be afraid to ask for clarifications if you need them. Um. So. As you begin to scan the clothing store, a few things register to you. Empty empty racks and shelves, some of them topped with cardboard boxes. The occasional, the occasional mannequin standing abandoned in the aisles. One of them seeming to hold its arms aloft, beckoning to you. And the smell, the intense, sweet metallic smell of fresh blood just behind the just behind the counter there is blood smeared all over the plaster wall all over the floor enough blood that you could easily think somebody was utterly eviscerated here but there's no sign of a body just a big pool of blood, and lying on the edge of the pool of blood is a smartphone, still on the screen 
illuminating the grisly scene. Seemingly in the midst of recording, right now recording nothing but blackness as it's lying on the floor. Tig briefly registers this. You see the tips of his nostrils twist as he smells the blood, but he's in survival mode. He quickly darts past, grabs one of the empty shelves and pushes it towards the door. There's an ear-splitting, scraping sound as the shelf grinds on the tile floor and then Tig pulls it down onto its side and wedges it under the shuttered door, blocking the gap. Renan Strength 5, thanks to boosting early if it matters. Yep, that's why I'm not making you roll for it. Alright. We need to get... Oh... You think I belong to one of them urban explorers? Urban what? The, remember, we learned that the cat said there was urban explorers in this mall. Right, I never really put together mm. what that was. Yes, mm. I think you might be right. Kids trying to do Scooby-Doo shit. But somebody might want to grab that. And we need to get a move on. You said there was passages behind these doors? Yeah. I was going to say, if no one else does, Bouncer grabs the barn. Yeah, so Bouncer... So, Cat, you peer down one of the aisles, and sure enough, you can see a door at the back of the store, and... Based on your knowledge of old malls, you were an urban explorer of something of an urban explorer yourself back in the day. You realise there should be a network of tunnels that connect all of the stores, the, the backstage areas where the mall staff get to and from the, the, the stock rooms and the storefronts without having to move through the mall itself, preserving the image of the blissful image of consumerism for the mall's patrons bouncer kneels down and extracts the bloodied phone off the floor and sure enough as you bring it up bouncer you see that it's still in the midst of recording something right now the empty clothes store and the somewhat curious faces of the rest of the coterie. You swipe your thumb across the screen, ending the recording, and... It tells you the recording is saving, and then leaves you with, apparently, a 42-minute-long recording sitting there on the home screen. I guess just while we're trying to figure it out, just like quickly, just do some like quick like jumps through the footage, see if anything sticks out. Yeah. Go ahead, bouncer. Make me a wits or composure plus investigate check. 
boost wits first, so I think that'll be helpful overall. <laughs> Failure, so I get hungrier on that. Ah, hungrier. <laughs> yeah. Not what you want. How many successes? Uh, only two successes. So as the others begin to fan out, taking stock of their surroundings, you start to flick through the recording. The first... 15 to 20 minutes appear to be fairly ordinary. It's, it looks like it's the log of one of the urban explorers. Tig's theory was the correct one. They arrived in a group and according to the recording, there's six of them. But shortly after entering the mall, they decided to split up. And so... Oh. The person wielding the phone makes the, perhaps in retrospect, unwise decision to continue exploring on her own. The next 10 minutes or so are of her, her quietly making her way through the dark, eerily empty mall, commenting on some of the old storefronts, some of the window displays that are still... Still visible, the fashions worn by the mannequins that are at least 10 years out of date. And at almost exactly the 15 minute mark, the phone violently shakes and the girl lets out a terrified scream. There's a crash and she whirls around you see the sign, Cassie's Clothes, the sign of the same store you're in, and the plastic roller door is warping, bending upwards as the nine-foot-tall, incredibly hungry-looking lupine scrambles underneath, baring its canine teeth, Saliva rolling from its incisors onto the tiles as it sets eyes on the urban explorer. She immediately begins to panic, screaming, calling for help. Please, anyone help me! And in the throes of her panic, she does perhaps the most stupid thing you could ever think to do, Bouncer. Rather than turning and running in the opposite direction, she reaches for an iron piece of iron piping lying on the floor, left over from the construction site, and lets out a long, shrill scream as she runs towards the lupine. The lupine growls, roars, lunges forwards with supernatural speed, grabbing her and pulling her under the gap in the shutter. There's more screaming, more crashing, the sound of heavy breathing. <laughs> and then the phone is dropped, lands face down on the floor and continues recording nothing but the sounds of terrified screaming and rending of flesh for several more minutes until finally there's a loud yelp 
yelp as if somebody's kicked a dog. You hear the sound of something heavy falling on the floor and then silence. And indeed, mm. I was just going to say, Marion, you got a messy crit at the end of last session. I did note it down and I said I had something planned for it. Uh-huh. And peering over Bouncer's shoulder, watching the highlights of this macabre log to this unfortunate urban explorer's expedition, you find your compulsion activating, the beast rumbling within. You're incredibly hungry, incredibly tired, and yet incredibly curious. All so we're going signs... to that version of the compulsion then. Yeah, all signs indicate that this urban explorer met a horrific death. There's blood everywhere. You saw her get attacked in the recording on the phone, and yet there's no sign of the body. At least not where it should be, not where all that blood is. And this didn't happen that long ago. The recording's only 42 minutes long. She gets attacked about 20, 15, 20 minutes in. This all happened within the last half hour. The smell of blood is still fresh, so fresh that... Oh, you could almost, almost lick it off the floor, but you know better than to do that. You know that wouldn't really satisfy. And so... Actually, sorry, sorry to, like, drag the momentum of the story to a halt, but, um... I'm looking at, uh, Hikata Compulsion as written in Cults, the book, and then comparing to the Player's Guide. And they're both called morbidity, but they have different. They're very different. Very different they got adjusted slightly. Yeah, but and I'm trying I to think, think about which one I prefer. Yeah, they're both thematically different, so I'll allow you to pick which one. You could either. I think being that she's such a dominate-focused character, the second one being about control would be more interesting to her. You experience an immediate need to move something from life to death or vice versa. This doesn't need necessarily be a person or a living thing. It can include objects or abstract things such as an idea or a conversation. But you see all this blood, you see clear signs that someone's met a messy end and there are apparently five more mortals somewhere in the mall. And you realise you're very hungry, don't have time to fuck around, and the beast urges you to stand up, take control. She would be uh, not outwardly expressing this much, but she's now tapping her heel on, on the ground very pointedly. You're probably making a little too much noise, and I don't think she's noticing she's doing it. Yeah, but you all notice Marion there tapping her foot on the ground, leaning against one of the empty shelves, clearly preoccupied. Seems the screams on that footage had some effect on her. Well, we know what happened to this one. <laughs> Five more, apparently. Look, this is all well and good, but we have something to do. Yeah, find them, 
get them to safety. Does anyone... Anyone pick up on... Does anyone... Ask Marion what seems to have her suddenly so preoccupied? I mean, you don't have to, given the situation that you're in. It's not out of the ordinary that someone would be very tense. The wolf definitely doesn't. I, t- I take it he's taken a mental note, though. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know her well enough to... Her cat doesn't know her well enough to to notice. this point, it becomes suddenly clear to you all that everything is suddenly silent. The sobs and the roars from outside seem to have stopped. You can no longer hear the lupine and the thing doing battle. And that's when BANG! Something rattles on the other side of the roller door. Bang, bang, bang! Time to go. Tig, you gonna lead everyone out the back door? Just do it clear, that's that's it banging on the door, right? Something's banging on the door. Okay, yeah. Mm. Are we talking like something big banging or something? was the roller door still slightly up or did we get that down yeah it's it's sort of like it's got a gap down at the bottom but tig's wedged a shelf in there to cover the gap and right now something you don't know what it is something is banging on the other side of the door apparently trying to get in you hear something scrambling something scraping around on the tiles the shelf that tig's wedged there rattles a bit as if something's trying to move it yeah time to go hold on i'm gonna roll intelligence awareness to get more info on what it is just to be sure yeah go ahead four successes Tig motions for everyone to follow, his dogs bound up behind him, wagging their tails as he begins to make his way to the back of the store. And as you're about to join him, Marion, you stop, listen to the sounds, and... You see, for the briefest moment, what looks like the tips of somebody's fingers grabbing at the side of the shelf, trying to move it out of the way, but Tig's wedged it so thoroughly in there that they're having a hell of a time doing it. Whoever it is gives another frustrated BANG on the roller shutter. Okay. Um, I'm going to make a decision here based on... Uh, I'm just going to roll on my humanity. Uh, go ahead. Oh, that's one success from five. Ooh. Okay, I'm interpreting that negatively. Um, so it, it seems like a, like a person banging on the door. It's... You can tell it's probably not that thing you saw outside. You saw the tips of fingers, like actual fingers, not long, spindly, white, skeletal claws. Actual fingers, like, reaching through the gap, trying to shift the shelf out of the way. Okay. Well, in the throes of her compulsion, 
Marion ignores this information. Joins the others. Tig's already at the back of the store. You fling open the metal door and sure enough, on the other side, find a empty, pitch black, narrow corridor. There's nothing, none of the pleasantries of the mall here. It's very narrow. There's barely enough room for two people to walk abreast. The It's flanked by oppressive grey concrete walls. The floor beneath your feet is grimy concrete and running above your head you can see piping, metal grating. It looks like somebody's removed most of the ceiling as part of the renovation and when you stare upwards you're staring straight up through the entire mall and you can make out the night sky visible way above you beyond the maze of piping, scaffolding, grating. Somebody needs to watch above. All right, cat. Yeah. Do you know where this security room might be? Could you make a guess? It's a 50-50 shot. Um... It's better odds than normal. We'll just have to pick a direction. Um, All right. Let's head. Let's head. So we know which direction we came from. Let's head the opposite of that direction. Yeah. So I'll get you, Cat, to go ahead and make for me a, let's say, resolve or wits plus, uh, let's say, streetwise. Streetwise. It's a success. One success. Success. So, one thing's clear to you. Unless this mall is drastically different than others you've been been in, which are from roughly the same contemporary period, the control room would almost certainly be on the second, on the first floor, as opposed to the second floor or even the third floor. Usually in malls like this, the control room is out of the way enough that it wouldn't be immediately visible to mall patrons, but it would also be centrally located enough that it's very easy for the security staff to get to and from the control room and to get from the control room to pretty much anywhere in the mall quickly. And so with that in mind, you think you have a good idea where to go. A short way down the hallway from here, the hallway splits up. It heads in two directions, left and right. Left would take you back the way you came towards the edges of the mall, but right would take you further into the depths of the mall itself. And you don't have a store directory or anything like that, but... You have a feel for places like this, and if you like, you can take the lead if the others trust you and if you trust yourself enough and try to lead them through the backstage areas towards where you think the control room would be. If no one else is going to do it, then uh, 
then yeah, she will. It is pitch black, though. It's very hard to see. Up till now, you've been letting Tig lead you through the darkness as he's got eyes of the beast, but it is just a hallway. There's not really a lot that you need to see, but if you... It rolls one success to have an idea. Well, we just found a cell phone, didn't we? It's got a flashlight in it. <laughs> Somewhere in there. I mean, I don't know how you get the flashlight out of the phone, but that's what my son tells me, is all cell phones have flashlights now. Yeah, I can take it and, and turn on the flashlight. We'll ask you a question, Cat. Are you Australian? <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask you a question, Cat. Turning the phone's flashlight on will make it easier for you to navigate to your destination. However, given that the ceiling has been removed and there's construction above you spanning the entire height of the mall, turning that torch on might make you more visible to anything that might be stalking in the darkness. I have a bit of a, or she has a bit of a suspicion that it might be able to see us anyway. Yeah. And so your finger swipes across Actually, the screen. Um, Go ahead, Marion. Would Marion have any insight into that with the cult and oblivion if it would be able to see us or not? Because um, I assume it doesn't navigate with like vision. Well, you yeah. can make that assumption, Marion, and quickly scanning the roof above you and the area all around. You can't see you can't see any signs of anything living, but you have a dot in Oblivion, Marion, and you know that this thing probably isn't using the mortal plane to navigate. It's probably tracking you on some other layer of reality. I, yeah, I, I don't think that the, the torch is going to make it much of a difference. So... Uh, on that note, uh, yep. try and keep your emotions a little bit in check. Just as a precaution. So Cat's thumb swipes across the screen. The flashlight turns on illuminating the dirty, empty, oppressive backstage areas of the mall. And Cat silently motions for you to follow as she leads you down the hallway. Are you creeping slowly? Are you trying to move fast? I mean, I think she's trying to be pretty sneaky at this point. Yeah, so so you're probably not running. You're keeping a yeah. decent pace, but you're slowly walking, keeping track of your surroundings. And each time you reach a corner, a junction, Cat just stops. She stops for a moment, looks down the left, looks down the right, and then mutters to herself, this way, this way. This happens several times, and after about 10, 15 minutes, you feel like you must go ahead. About five minutes into it, Tig looks at the others and says, I'll oh, slip to the back. Some I've got to take care of. He leaves two of the dogs and takes a third into the darkness and catches up to the back of ranks a bit. But there's no sign of the dog. 
Tig. The others move on without you. You allow yourself to slip to the back and they pass you by onwards into the darkness. You can hear Cat in the distance saying, This way! Okay, through here! Through here! And then, standing in the darkness, you motion for one of your dogs. It comes up. Send the other two ahead so they never they never watch. Its so tail wagging, its tongue flapping, its eyes looking up at you, looking happy until until you kneel down and open your mouth. Go to sleep. Tail stops wagging, its head droops at the last moment before you sink your fangs in and the dog lets out a single solitary whisper and then a few minutes later Tig rejoins the group no sign of that dog and an almost imperceptible hint of sadness on Tig's face. I would like everyone, as you're making your way further into the mall and starting to feel like you must be getting closer to the control room, to make me a wits awareness check, please. Sure. Can I also? I'm also going to roll insight on what just happened. Yeah, sure. Um, this would be same scene, wouldn't it? Yep, same scene. Sure, so it's still not exactly today. difficult to figure this one out. Today. Yeah, she got four successes on that one. Yeah. And I think no. that she's you a little jealous at the moment. Yeah. You see you see Tig just lick a single drop of blood off his lip and look away. And your beast roars. You'd take Reason. a dog, Marion. In this situation, you'd take a dog. No other situation <laughs> would force you to slum it, but... She's going... Well, she's still got her willpower, and so she's going to swallow that and just say to him, My condolences. Thanks. And she got one off. success on wits. Hated every time I do. Three successes on wits. And Eyes of the Beast still uh, active. Yep, one for I'll me. One for you and Bouncer and Wolf. Uh, Wolf got two. Two. And how many would Bouncer get? Uh, two. Two. Okay, so that's more than five altogether. So I'm just going to ask a quick question. How many times has Tig had to do this, I wonder? He's been... God, it's probably like three or four times at most. I figure the werewolves only need the dog pack's attention like once every five, six years. He's only been going for like 20 years dead. 20 years dead. And I mean, there's other cases where a dog pretty much gets horribly injured because, you know, farm life's rough. So I figure he's had to do it like, I call it three to five times. Marion like puts her hand on his shoulder and she says, "You know, you don't have to do that alone." Oh, are you feeling the need? 
she looks down from that and doesn't uh, doesn't respond. Well, thanks. He says, gives her a rough one-armed hug. So, before you even continue to broach the topic of offering a dog to Marion, with your five successes on wit's awareness, you all are suddenly stopped in your tracks as you hear the sound of things rattling somewhere above, somewhere off in the construction, the sound of... The sound of rattling scaffolding, of metal grating being shoved aside. And Tig, instantly alerted by the sound, you whirl around, peer up, and out of the corner of your right eye see something tall and slender and pale-skinned leaping from a single girder over a gap at least a gap of at least five feet to another girder and then ducking away into the shadows out of sight something's keeping an eye on us not the wolf I'll watch above guess there quickly okay cat Uh, sorry, repeat? Yeah, I was gonna... Uh, yeah, so Tig said just get us there quickly, Cat, as quickly as you can. So I'm gonna ask a question, Cat. You gonna just start running, or are you gonna just play this cool? Uh, she's gonna play it cool for now, but we're gonna pick up the pace. Pick up the pace. In that case, Cat, I'll get you to roll me another resolve, or wits, plus streetwise... How many... May I ask how many dice in the pool you're going to have for that one? Uh... Four dice from... My stats and two hunger. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to be asking for three successes on this one. Okay. It's up to you if you'd like to rouse the blood to give yourself two extra dice. You're asking for three, I am going to do that. So let me do a rouse check. Go ahead, make a rouse check. I get hungrier. All up to hunger three. And then do a... Blood fortifies your senses. Six. Your eyes amplifying the light, seeming to make it grow more intense and... Nope. Something within you pulls, draws you onwards. How many successes did you get? I got two. <laughs> two? Do you have any yep. willpower left? Uh, yeah. can always willpower. You can always spend one to re-roll up to three non-hunger dice. Uh. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I do re-roll. Didn't get it that time either. Two, two successes. We'll go, yep. we'll live with it. So, <laughs> as the blood surges through your body, you feel something, something calling. 
it's almost like this mall is a living thing, almost as if you're moving through the intestines of some colossal creature right now, and you can feel its heartbeat. Thump, 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 thump. To your left, to your right, the walls seem to breathe, the concrete expanding and contracting. You close your eyes, honing on this sound, this ethereal heartbeat. Thump, thump 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 it's not quite the direction you thought you were heading but you know something is this way and so you beckon for the others to follow you will get to your destination but you're still getting the hang of using the blood in this way using it to hone your senses you're still getting used to thinking like a predator and well there's a more direct route. You could have easily passed through a store, crossed the mall courtyard, popped into another store and emerged where you needed to be, but instead you become fixated on this feeling, this heartbeat that you're not quite sure you can actually hear or you're just imagining, and you continue to lead the others on. Picking up pace now, moving faster through the seemingly endless maze of featureless corridors. And then, crash! Tig, you were keeping watch on Cat, I believe? Oh, yeah. You hear a crash from above and see... Looking directly above, you see it. The impossibly tall, impossibly thin, pale-skinned thing, emaciated folds of flesh hanging off its body, tattered, dirtied dress, flowing around in the air as it leaps down towards the coterie. All right. Are we still running the buffs that we had from last time? Sure are. Good, I'm going to try to tackle it in midair. Midair? Oh, shit. I gotta <laughs> play a gangrel sometime. Yeah. Just pretty much knock... The goal is pretty much just knocking it off balance and away, but if I manage to, you know, do a little more damage, that's okay. Tig bears his fangs, rushes forwards and takes a leap. The rest of you hear the crash, but you're not quite as quick on the uptake. You don't have the eyes of the beast active. You don't see the thing barreling down towards you, at least until you register that Tig's flying through the air, fists clenched, arms outreached, hurtling towards them. You see, you see its eyes glimmering in the darkness, just as... Tig's body collides with it. Go ahead, Tig. Make me a strength athletics roll. Not brawl? Okay. Well, you're taking a flying leap, so I think athletics is yeah, more that's appropriate. True. That's true. That's less dice, but I eh, could get lucky. Uh, four successes. Uh, you know what? what? I'll go ahead and willpower that one. Make that six successes. Six successes? Six successes to its five successes. That is bent. Right. The full force of your body collides with the creature and it opens its mouth, letting out a great feminine shriek as it tumbles to the floor, its spindly arms flailing around in front of it. 
you go hurtling to the ground with it, and you both land on the concrete with a thud. Sunk. I'd like you to take one point of superficial damage, Tig, from the fall. Nope, toughness. Toughness, yep. But it's going to take... Uh, how many... It's going to take one point of superficial damage from the fall and another from you slamming straight into it. But it doesn't take long for it to recover. Within within the span of a single second, it's already scrambling. It's spindly legs snapping into place with a loud crack as its body begins to lift up off the floor. That's nice. Raising it. Raising its arms out. Raising its arms above its head. So the first rule of bar fighting is don't let him get up. So while it's getting up off the floor, I'm going to kick its teeth out, then turn around and run to follow the others. Yeah. So I will ask Bouncer, Marion, Wolf. You're aware that the thing is here now. You've seen Tig tackle it out of the air. And as it's rising to its feet, is there anything you'd like to do? If Tig's going to be running for it, Wolf's going to be running for it too. Yeah, knife drawn. Alright, we'll get to... And Bouncer? Yeah, so what's, what's this, like, corridor area made of? Like? So it's made of concrete, mostly, but the scaffolding and the meshes above are all mostly metal. Yeah, so is there, is there like enough light going on at the moment that like I can at least make out where Tig is? You can see Tig. You can see the thing sprawled on the hmm. ground between you and Tig, and it's letting out more of those sobs <laughs> as it starts to lift itself up off the ground. Much like you know in old vampire movies when they rise from the coffin, they just sit bold upright yeah. in a very unnatural way. You can see Wolf already reaching for his knife, ready to rush in. Oh no, Wolf's going to be running away. If, oh, Wolf's going to be running, running away. away. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, Tig's plan so, is to run away. Uh, Wolf will be joining him. So, Bouncer, your just... your choices are mainly to run with the others and help Wolf get Marion and Cat out of here, or you can help Tig put the thing oh, down Marianne's to pick the others. Leaving. Oh, Marion's not leaving? What's Marion? Marion's just saying, I need blood, blood, now. Fair enough. And you'll take, you, you, you'll, you'll accept this thing. I mean, you've seen that it can bleed, so. Bouncer, what are you doing? Uh, uh, Bouncer's gonna hope, <laughs> just like, uh, shout to Tig like, <laughs> And do whatever you're doing quickly and then get away from it. And I'm, she's basically going to hope That's that everyone, a fucking hope, plan! Yeah. Hoping that everyone else's idea is run away from the thing. She's going to basically try and punch the wall as hard as she can and see if she can't bring the wall, bring that and the scaffolding down on the thing. Ooh, good, good idea. Because I recently got Wrecker. So I do a fuck yeah. lot of damage to inanimate objects. <laughs> yeah, very good idea. Yeah. All right, so... Wolf, I'll give you two choices. You can turn and run, or you can activate your blink to make sure you get out of harm's way. And I, if you activate your blink, 
I won't make you roll, but of course you will risk getting hungrier. Uh, Wolf can't afford to risk getting hungry. He's already on yeah. four. So I'll ask Wolf and Cat to go ahead and make dex athletics checks for me. Uh, it's a four for, for Wolf. Two for me. Four for Wolf. I'll say, Marion, because of your compulsion and your intense hunger, if you wanted to turn and run, you'd be doing it with a two-dice penalty. Well aware. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many did uh, Wolf and Cat get? Uh, two. Two? And four for Wolf. And four She's going to reiterate that point. Blood, yeah. now! I need blood! So, Wolf, as you grab Cat and start to sprint ahead, you're vaguely aware that Marion is not coming after you. You peer over your shoulder and see her standing there in the corridor, facing the thing, facing Tig and Bouncer as they're ready to converge upon it. And in the darkness, you could see the look on Marion's face. You could see her eyes seeming to glow with very obvious hunger. I suppose what I'm asking is, Wolf, are you going to grab Marion and try to force her along with you? Um, that, what role would that be? So you've got six successes on your strength athletics. Um, I will just subtract two successes from that pool for you to grab her. Un Unless she tries to fight back. <laughs> what would he do? He might not. Yeah, he'll 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 try and grab her. How specifically does he try to grab her? Uh, pretty casually. Like physically. Oh, like scruff of the neck kind of thing. So as he's running past, he's just gonna like grab her by the scruff of the neck and try to pull her along. Pretty much. Immediately she will go and try to bite into his arm. Yeah. Fair enough. Go ahead, Marion. I'd like you... I'd like you to go ahead and make me a willpower... Plus resolve or composure, whichever is highest, check for me. Yep. Uh... Six successes six successes as wolf's hand grabs the scruff of your collar you sort of turn towards Argh! your fangs already extended and you realize when you're about half a second away from plunging your fangs into his wrist what you're doing she pauses for just a fraction of a moment and looks into his eyes waiting to see what he says. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like he would double down and grab me by the collar again and continue on his way. Like, just not even acknowledging that Like, she's nothing like... happened. Yeah, like, no time for this shit. 
he just, rather than reacting to it at all, he just clenches his fist tighter around her neck and Marion, you feel him jerking as he motions for you to hurry up. Oh, okay, hold on, I'm gonna roll because like, I'm, I'm between two things again. Yeah. I like that we're putting you in these situations tonight. Yeah, I'm just doing I'm just doing a coin toss on this actually. Oh, she bites in. Yeah, she bites in. <sighs> as she sinks her fangs into Wolf's flesh. As Wolf For the record, this is a conscious decision. She has willpower. Yeah, conscious decision. She needs blood. Take it. Take his Take his all he does is clean. He's the servant, he's the help, and you, you're the one who orders the help. Take the help, take it. Your fangs dig in as Wolf pulls and... Wolf, she seems to be starting to run now, seems to be starting to come along with you, but her fangs are sinking deep into your flesh. Do you... Do you wrestle her away, or do you just let her take what she needs and continue dragging her after Cat? Uh, if this is making her move, he is accepting it. Accepting it? Alright. Marion, your hunger goes down to three, and Wolf, your hunger increases by one. That means he's on hunger five. Hunger five. <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was on four. You reach... You reach the end of the corridor where Cat's deciding once again whether to go left and right, and as soon as you reach the corridor, Wolf, you feel... You feel ugh, a bout of nausea. You wobble on your feet and your beast roars, and it's at this point where, through no conscious action of your own, you look into Marion's eyes, bare your fangs, and wrench your wrist away from her mouth. She accepts this. Again, this is a conscious choice. She's in control. She is. She took it, she took it, she took what was hers. After everything you've done, all the messes you've cleaned. Will this stand? Do not let this stand. Reading his, uh, his, his, uh, his eyes. She would, she would just say to him, you'll come to understand very soon. Are they, are they clear of all this yet? Or is this happening while we're trying to this get is, away? Yeah, you're, you're, you're away now. You've rushed down the corridor. I'll get to the others in a moment. Uh, Wolf reflexively says, understand this and punches her square in the nose. Are you motherfucker? For <laughs> <laughs> the record. The two dogs were ordered to accompany you, so they're probably yeah. doing that. The background you hear as the two dogs sprint along behind you, and Wolf just clenches his fist and thwack! Pounds Marion in the face. What is your this suit and kind of tidies himself back up again? What is your brawl, Wolf? Uh, his brawl is zero, but his melee is three. Brawl is all that matters. Brawl is. Yeah. Yep. Brawl is all that matters, so only zero. What's your strength? Uh, three. Three? Marion takes three points of superficial damage, halved, rounded down to one. Okay. You feel your nose just sort of <coughs> snap in a direction it's not supposed to as Wolf slams his fist into your face. And Cat, 
She does her best to not respond. And Kat, you're seeing this play out before you. These two vampires who seemed so with it before now blows with each other. You've never seen anything like it. Do you dare? Do you dare tell them to knock it off? Remind them that we're all in terrible danger, Kat? Um... I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like she would know, like what to make out of this. Um, yeah. Would she say anything there? I don't think so. No. I mean, I think it's more just like, kind of dumbfounded. <laughs> yeah. Stay low. Stay out of it. Hope you don't get noticed. She just yeah. sort of stares for a moment, dumbfounded, her her mouth hanging open, and then after a second or two, she seems to compose herself and just says, "The this way." And you sprint down the corridor into darkness with the dogs barreling behind you. Meanwhile, the others. So Tig, the creature is rising, sitting bolt upright. Letting its sobs echoing through the narrow corridor. And you're just rushing towards it, ready to deliver a swift kick. So Tig's plan is to basically just knock it off balance enough to the point he's got a chance to get away. I'm going to fire up uh, Tactician, because Bouncer's idea is to slow it down as well, and we are working on a shared goal here. Ah, yes. So you get an extra dice for Bouncer being here. Go ahead and roll me a Strength Brawl. Alright. I'm sacrifice a, a dog roll. for this, let's hope it goes well. Oh, come the hell on. How'd you do? Two successes, spending another willpower. Go ahead, re-roll. Yeah, that's four successes. That's the best I can do. Four successes? Four successes, alright. Well, I'm just trying to slow it down. Four successes to its five successes. Yeah. You rush towards it, but you're still a little bit winded from tackling it out of the air, and... What happens like this? One second, it's halfway rising to its feet, and then in a blink of an eye later, it's already towering over you, peering down at you. It opens its mouth and lets out a wail as it just bats with its claws. And you take, actually, first, I'd like you to go ahead and roll six dice for me. This, right. this is Christine's dice pool for blood sorcery rituals. Oh yeah, that'll be three successes. Three successes, lovely. Alright. Let me just see. Ritual test, three successes, and it is a level three ritual. So, Tig... As the claws come bearing down on you, the canine skull that you're wearing around your neck, you feel it vibrate. It seems to float up of its own accord, the chain straining against the back of your neck. And as the creature's claws bear down upon you, just a split second before they touch your flesh, the canine skull erupts, sending forth a surge of bright light. You raise 
an arm to your eyes to protect yourself from the searing brightness. You hear the sound of a loud sob and then the sound of something heavy being flung against the concrete. As the thing takes one point of aggravated damage and is flung away from you. The light subsides as suddenly as it appeared, and you see the thing once more on the ground, scrambling to climb to its feet once again. At this point, I'll turn and run. You turn and run, and that leaves Bouncer. Move, move, move. Gonna bring the wall, bring the scaffolding down on top of it? Yeah, once Tig passes me, yeah. Yeah. Tig runs past, leaving you behind, and you turn stand face to face with the creature as it wails flailing its hands still around still shocked at the power of the ward still reeling from that unexpected surge of energy and you take this chance rushing forwards towards the concrete wall and i'd like you to go ahead and, well, no rouse check for a level 3 power. Very nice. Uh, yeah. But it basically adds on to prow- uh, prowess. It does, so yeah. rouse so, for that. So go ahead, yeah. make me a strength brawl check and add your potence doubled to the dice pool. Yep. Uh, it's five successes. Five successes? You let out a great yell. Ah! Smashing your fist into the concrete wall. And the rest of you, by this point, a good three, four shop lengths away, feel the ground beneath your feet rattle, rumble, nearly spilling you over. The creature opens its mouth in shock, its eyes wide in horror as you hear the sound of the scaffolding snapping off its support. Snap, snap, snap! And you turn and run as it comes tumbling down the cacophony, the crash echoing into the darkness as Bouncer sprints away. The sobbing... The creature lets out one last sob, and then crash! All is silent. A few minutes later, Bouncer and Tig catch up with the others. You've managed to find the control room, or at least that's what you think it is. A featureless grey metal door at the end of one of the corridors with a placard slid in. Reading, staff only. There's a little sticker, a white sticker with a line drawing of a security camera and a radio on it. And this is, to you, Cat, the clear indication that if this isn't the control room, it's at least some sort of security outpost. There's going to be something useful for you here. So, um, 
I didn't get it out in time before we moved to combat, but uh, yep. after when when Cat didn't say anything uh, about um, the interaction between <laughs> Wolf and Marion, I rolled uh, Wit's Insight. I got a messy critical four. May I may I play out the messy? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I think not having been able to enact the plan that she was brewing there, that Wolf so rudely interrupted. Uh, her sights turned from that creature to Cat's spirit. And she would say, uh, she would say, Oh, Cat, that's, that's good. If you can keep your mouth shut like that, you might survive a whole fortnight. Cat <laughs> just nervously laughs as she gestures towards the control room door, perhaps intimating that she's been useful. Is that all you've got for me, really? By the look on her face, Marion, it is obvious to you that... Well, she's not scared out of her wits anymore, but this is the most bizarre and simultaneously terrifying night of her life, and the fact that she's able to turn to you at all and nervously chuckle is demanding great effort on her part. Speak up, girl. Uh, sorry. At this point, you hear boots on the concrete whirl around just in time to see Tig and Bouncer emerge from the darkness, looking no oh. worse for wear. And what took you uh, so long? Bouncer slowed it down. We ain't got long. <sighs> Where are we going, Cat? Uh, she's going to motion towards that door that we can see. Oh. All right, Tig will run over and try to open it. Tig, you're lucky. It doesn't appear to be locked. That's the good news. The bad news, I assume you're going to grab the door and just fling it open? Pretty much. The bad news is, as you fling the door open, you're met with sight of two mortals. A man and a woman kneeling down over the bank of security monitors and keyboards that makes up the control console. Their phones raised, raised recording the ancient computers and whispering under their breath at the marvel of urban or the, the marvel of something about liminal spaces and and how this mall is untouched untouched it's just like like we stepped back in time to the 90s and then hearing the door be flung open they whirl around raising their phones Nearly blinding you with the bright light. The... Who? Tig immediately blinks and turns his eyes off. 
What are you kids doing in here, then? The two exchange glances. The girl looks each of you up and down, and then she folds her arms, sliding her phone into her handbag. And who'd you be, then? Coppers or something? We're not breaking the law being here. No, yes, but we yeah. are. And Tick and Tick pulls out the shotgun. Handbags, wallets on the ground now. <laughs> clever, very clever. The the two urban explorers exchange bewildered glances, and the the guy still brandishing his phone, still recording, just shakes his head and he shrugs. His, you, you, you serious or? Tick fires into the air. Their faces immediately white. They get down on their knees. The guy turns to the girl beside him and he says, I thought you said, I thought the security guard was your brother. Yeah, yeah, he is. He, he said, these people must have snuck in. He's your brother? Fuck, can't scuttle this out here with all this in it. With you, oh, yeah. Bind him. Cover their Marion, eyes. Marion says Get their to phones. Take. Marion says to Tig, oh, we really should have worn masks. Didn't think there'd be nobody here now, did I? Get their phones, come on. Understanding seems to dawn on both of their faces at the same time. The girl's mouth drops open and she just says, Shit, of all the nights, I... Look. You're robbing this place, are you... Really? You got us on the phones. Oh. Drop the phones and you can live. Otherwise, nobody's ever going to find you. Tig, make me a strength intimidate check, please. Alright. Hey, I have dots in that. Oh, so I'm going to throw in some uh, coercion. Yeah. Four successes. I really wouldn't fuck with this guy. I mean, you saw the shotgun. <laughs> are you are you actually dominating them or just... No, just throw... manipulation and intimidation with a coercion yeah. bonus. Yeah, I'll drop two on. off that. Unless you consider it killing their spirits, but that seems like a stretch. No. Go, go, how many successes do you get? I get four. Four. Okay. So a, a crap load between you. They just nod and... The guy just places his phone calmly on the ground before him. The girl fishes hers out of her handbag, takes a moment to swipe her finger across the screen, ending the recording, and then slides it across the concrete next to the other one. Once again, they exchange puzzled glances. The The guy shrugs. He says, maybe, maybe they're what Amy ran into. You know, the, the scream from before. We thought she was just playing pranks, but the girl... Search up for any... Search him for any backup recording stuff and get him out of here. Who's going to search him for backup recording stuff? Wolf, probably. Yeah, seems like a wolf thing to me. Yeah, he'll, he'll pat them down. Meanwhile, Marion is going to just, like, I assume these are just, like, smartphones? Yeah. They will crush under her heel just nicely. How much yeah. tech does she have? How much tech does she have? Technology. Well, yeah, none. <laughs> none. No. no, but she knows what glass does. Yeah, I don't think she needs technology to simply crush them All underfoot. Right. 
Okay. As she smashes their phones, the the the, the two urban explorers just stare back aghast. Utterly shocked. They are about to open their mouths to say something when Tig glares at them once more. Marion just says, you know, it's amazing they can get cameras that small. I, uh, uh, says, says the guy, uh, we're, we're, we're just recording a thing for, for TikTok. We're not, we didn't mean to. Sweetheart, I have no idea what that is, as she crushes the other one. <laughs> that was, I just got, um... whoever, the, whoever this TikTok fella is, tell her, tell him he chose the wrong night to send his boys in. The girl shrugs as she peers at her friend. What about, what about Tara and Katie and Malcolm? Well, the plan reason. Okay, look, dumb nuts. The reason we is because we're doing going to do a thing with a firearm to clear you lot out. Go along, run out. They'll hear the alarm. They'll go out too. I. Why did you, you need mean... to destroy our phones? We. She trails our faces are on it. You fucking idiot. I don't know if you noticed, but he's the one holding the gun here. Stop asking questions. She just nods as you step forward, so... Wolf, to pat them down for extra recording equipment. And the good news is that as you pat first her, then him down. Aside from their phones, they didn't have anything. These are, you know, they're like 18 to 21. They're not that old. They don't have that much disposable income. They were, you know, took advantage of one of their family members working security on this old mall, thought they'd sneak in, record some footage for TikTok and be done with it. They don't have any cameras or microphones or anything like that. The bad news, Wolf, is that as you finish patting them down and step away from them, you feel your eyes drawn to their necks. You can see their blood vessels throbbing, vibrating as their hearts pump fresh blood through their bodies. Oh boy. They stare up at you, their eyes curious, unaware of exactly what kind of monster is currently looming over them as your beast compels you, urges you to replace what Marion took. Wolf, go ahead and make for me composure plus resolve plus a third of your humanity. Uh, success of three. Success of three. Hmm. Let me just check something here. The blood. Let me just check. Because I'm pretty sure hunger five is slightly harder. So I'm just going to check the book and see what it says about frenzy. At hunger five. Yeah, 
At hunger five, a hunger frenzy requires four successes. Oh, Wolf, you're going to have strong words for Prince Aveline and Sam later when you realise that you are being forced to feed outside of your usual proclivities. The rest of you, you see Wolf standing there, eyes fixated upon the urban explorers. They peer up at him and the girl shakes her head. I I'm sorry, kid. You've destroyed our phones. What else can we... Wolf opens his mouth, bears his fangs and lets out a roar. As he throws himself on her, she screams as he pins her to the ground and moves to sink his fangs into her bare neck. Fuck me. Does anyone move to stop Wolf? Uh, quite the opposite, actually, because this will all make sense soon. Your compulsion. Uh, no, there's, there's, there's more to it than this. This will all make sense soon. Her sights for her compulsion are set much higher at the moment. Cat mm. was in the. It was a. It was, a, it was a short distraction, but um, she needs more blood for what she wants to do, and. She says, she looks the, the guy directly in the eyes and says, stay quiet. And it's a, it's a mesmerize and she doesn't get hungrier than that. Hungrier. He's about to open his mouth to scream as he sees Wolf pin his friend to the ground and... Then suddenly he just nods. And then Marion's on him out. too. And he struggles. He squirms. She's not going to kill him. his teeth in pain, in excruciating pain as yeah. Marion's fangs go in. But got a curse. Nope, she's not going to. She's not killing him. But oh yeah, but the curse. Yes, yes. He can't scream. He can't call for help. The best he can muster is. <laughs> groaning behind gritted teeth as you slam him against the wall and begin to feed. Tig, Bouncer, Cat, are you either of you going to make a move to stop either Marion or Wolf? Tig says, I tried. There's no help in it. Cat, Bouncer, can you do anything with that fire alarm like we planned? Uh, Shoko, have a have a have a look for it, or if we can, or or if she can find it. So I'd like you, Cat, to make for me an intelligence plus either investigation or streetwise. Intelligence. Uh, Ooh, bestial failure. <laughs> <laughs> A steel failure. One of those oh, kids is, is like getting another person drinking them. Yeah. yeah. This is her first night bestial failure. Alright, so I'll say that you do manage to find find the button that activates the fire drill. But as you're 
as you're peering over the console, trying to make sense of all the buttons and the faded labels in the background, you can hear the girl squirming, her fingers, her, her fingernails scraping against the metal of the console as she struggles to escape from Wolf. Behind you, you can hear the sound of two vampires in the midst of feeding behind you and fills you with an overwhelming sense of disgust, horror, and at the same time, exhilaration. You find the button for the fire drill, clench a fist and bring it down, smash! Sparks fly off the console as you pound the button into the metal. The fire alarm does not activate. The drill does not begin. A couple of lights on the console that were on when you entered the room flicker and die, and a faint electronic humming coming from the console splutters and stops. There's a loud hiss as a plume of smoke begins to billow out from the back of the console. So I'm not an expert, but that don't look good. Yeah, that was so, supposed to happen. I would like Wolf to go ahead and mark a stain, please. But Wolf, your hunger resets to zero. And Marion, you're not killing. You're not killing your prey. That's far too easy. You reset your hunger to one and you pull away as he simply stares back at you, eyes wide open in terror, seemingly... seemingly having... completely tuned out the... other vampires... gathered around the console, the, the control... The, the, the smoke billowing out of the control panel. She stands over him. And uh, as she does, her nose sort of sets itself back into place. She feels that superficial without getting any hungrier. And then she looks him in the eyes and says, Forget that last part, would you? He looks back. He just nods. Lets out a whimper. Uh, uh. And then, as Cat whirls around, shrugging, as if to say, whoops, sorry, as smoke continues to billow from the control <laughs> panel. Smiling, bearing her fangs, his eyes roll back into his sockets and he sinks into a dead faint. Wolf. The warm body pinned under you stops struggling. Her screams ended long ago, and now so do her last tortured, rattled breaths. You pull yourself away, your beast gloating. <laughs> Doesn't it taste so good when you take it all? Alright. Oh. oh, God. Wolf. She lies at your feet, Wolf, her skin pale, her body God. bloodless, her 
eyes glassy, her mouth frozen open in a scream of terror. Uh, Wolf nonchalantly brings out a notebook and jots something down uh, before sliding it back into his jacket pocket and dusting himself off once again. Well, that was a fucking shit show. Okay, okay, new plan. Are the security cameras still on? You look around, Tig, and there's a big bank of monitors in the wall above the control panel, but none of them are on. So you assume, especially now that Cat smashed the console nearly to bits, that the cameras are not on at all. Alright, we need to find a place where we can corner this thing in a place where the other two urban explorers ain't where the other urban explorers ain't gonna be able to witness it. Agreed. And then we yeah. need to fucking take it down. I think we can do it. Just go here with everything. Oh, we can do yeah. it. Hear Go the left. sound... Hear the curious sound of... footsteps shuffling across the concrete just outside the control room door as if anticipating it in his terrified stupor, the unconscious urban explorer shudders <laughs> in his sleep. Female voice booms out. Righto! Leeches or mortals? Who am I dealing with in there? Uh, bit of A, bit of B. Leeches. And one mortal is still alive, but he's kind of out of it. Who the fuck are you? The door is flung open, revealing a middle-aged woman. She's wearing tight, torn jeans, a leather vest underneath which she wears a transparent t-shirt. You can see her bra and her chest and midriff absolutely coated in all kinds of tattoos. She's wearing a spiked collar around her neck and her hair is all frizzled around her face. It's clear by stare, clear from looking at her. You could instinctually tell that this is the lupine from earlier, but yeah, she she's... No longer nine feet tall, raging hair and teeth. She looks more human now, but still not quite fully human. She's a bit taller than you would expect a woman of that age to be. A bit stockier. You're pretty sure on her forearms and on her midriff you can see a thin layer of brownish fur and her teeth are just ever so slightly more pointed than usual. She steps into the control room with a slight hunch to her gait, looks you up and down, sees the sees the bloodless body of the girl at Wolf's feet. Got hungry, did you, leech? She says, spitting in Wolf's direction. The dogs growl. How'd you know it was Wolf? <laughs> I can smell her blood on your teeth, leech. Right. Let's make things short. You the one killing leeches, or is it that thing back there that keeps sobbing? You're here to hunt me, right? As I understand it. 
You're the one killing leeches? I ain't killed no leeches. Them are not here to hunt you. I've killed... I've killed people. How maybe a few of them was leeches, but it weren't me. It weren't me doing it. How how you mean? Did you or didn't you? She sighs. Like, Wolf didn't kill that one on the floor, but the thing inside him did. So is it like that? Would you say that's accurate, leech? She says, spitting once again at Wolf. Wasn't you, but the thing inside you, huh? But Arian steps in front and she's like, look, you, you seemed in invested in helping us when we arrived here and dealt with that thing. Because I'll take any help I can get against that thing, even if it comes from leeches. Well, that works out quite well, because I think that we can deal with it. Right. Of course, we current plan is to get it and lure it out in one spot, edit it with everything we got. Got some trinket around my neck that hurts it, so I'm just going to get it in bear rug and hope that does a job. Well, the others keep it from killing me. The and woman. Then... Go ahead. Don't worry, you're going. The woman nods. She peers at the canine skull, cracked now around Tig's neck. Yeah, that thing. See, I saw it leap on you outside in the construction site, and you. Oh, it did a number on you, but I saw it hesitate at the last moment. See, Figured you was wearing a totem or something, and I—that's when, when I saw it hesitate. I thought I had a chance. I went, pushed it yeah. off you, and I told you to go inside and wait. Why did that make it hesitate? She gestures towards, uh, gestures towards Tig. I don't know how it works. Leech blood magic or something? You want to divulge it for the rest of us? Show and tell. That's about all I know. I didn't make this. I got given to me for this job. So, yeah, oh. we did wait. And then we decided we'd wait in the security room. Right, and I had to come looking for you. Because somebody decided to block the shutter door. And I was hiding out in that store. And when I knocked on the grating, you fucked off. Right? Damn straight, we did. Didn't know what was Oh, knocking. that was you. So I had to come looking, and now look at this mess. You've already drained someone. Yeah. She clenches her fist, and you see it sort of shake were, at her side. If they was under your protection, her. If they was under your protection, we do apologize. Hell no! It's just I've seen enough bloodshed, and I wanted to put an end to it tonight. All right. Well, let's do that then. You know where we can ambush this thing? Draw it out? I do. See, she sighs. Well, I was going to leave you all to it, if I'm honest. Find a way to deal with it later, call in some help from the rest of the pack. But then I saw that thing around your neck seem to give it pause, and I thought, maybe we can do this. So she holds out a hand unfleck unfurls her fingers and seems to be offering you a hand to shake truth tig, re tig reaches out stop somebody else shake i don't know how this works marion takes her hand comfortably truce the lupine grips your hand in her own and it Sends pain surging up your arm. She's gripping so hard, you'd be surprised if you have intact finger bones when she's done. With three composure, she handles that. Don't even wince. 
she lets us go, she lets go and says, right, Janet Crowley. They also call me Dirge, and you are Marion Dunson. I know. She nods. Take Dunson. Take Dunson. No, really. Yeah, well, I heard of you. You're the spawn yes. of the fucking black dog. Ah, uh, yeah, Bunyip. Big black dog Bunyip, yeah. Yeah, we know who you are. Yeah. I should hope so. Tell whoever came into my, my barn and did the dog, he owes me two fucking cows. Also, really well done to get through the defenses. <laughs> All these years, I've been waiting to have a go at you myself, and... When I finally meet you, when I finally meet you, we're fighting side by side. Ain't that fucking ironic? <sighs> she turns to the others. You there, Mr. Mealtime? She gestures towards Wolf. Uh, Wolf doesn't pay her any mind. That, believe it or not, is actually, uh, his name's Wolf. Wolf. <laughs> uh, on that note, Janet, are you familiar with the concept of frenzy? He ain't no wolf enough. Frenzy. Yeah, when you get angry and you tear things to pieces. Point being that that was entirely involuntary and Wolf, I can assure you, does not normally act like that. Look. Given the circumstances, I wouldn't give a shit. These kids don't mean nothing to me. I just... Well... I didn't want to have any more innocent blood on anyone's hands tonight. The feeling is mutual, I assure you. You! Right. She points at Bouncer. Give me your name, come on! Bouncer. Nice to meet you. I'm Janet. And then she turns to Cat last and says, I see what you're going to do. Fire alarm, get the drill going. Three more urban explorers out there in the mall somewhere would have heard the alarms, ran for their lives, wouldn't have had to worry about them, right? Only you look like you've had an accident like Wolf over there and you've smashed the thing to pieces. So, oh, uh... Sorry. Are you new to this, or are you just fucking incompetent? Um, I'm new, sorry. She I don't know, Shawfan, huh? She lived through that thing. Come on, now. True. Not... True. She looks over at Wolf. What's your excuse? You new to this, too? Uh, that would technically be my fault. We get it. We get hungry. So what, you're baby leeches? No, well, no, just cats, but, um... Right, so baby leech, and... Well, I'll reserve judgement on Tig here, because I know better. One baby leech and three fucking idiots. Well, I'll take what I can get. So... Yeah, me wife's called me worse. Come on, let's get this over with, eh? So you, you dimebag Draculas, so you got some fucking Count Orlock or some shit sent you here because you've heard a Lupine's been tearing things apart. Technically, that'd be me. I am what you leeches would call a Lupine. But, I swear, 
If you're going to use the beast as an excuse for what you've done, I'm going to call this. I'm going to do the same. See, that thing running around in the mall, it's a. Uh, it's what we'd call a bane, see, a, a bad spirit, a demon, something like that. And I was sent here a couple weeks ago to cleanse it, right? Seems like it took hold in this mall, and we could feel the tear in the umbra where it came through, right? So I was going to come, send it back the way it came, but, well, it was more powerful than I was expecting. And these banes, these demons, right, they... They can't manifest in our world under their own power. They gotta have a host. You understand? And well, turns Marian out I So you get it. You've you've seen ghost spirits. No, no, peered into the Actually, umbra. One's on its way right now. Good thinking. Use a good spirit to fight a bad spirit. <laughs> I don't know about good, but helpful. Go See, on, I, I apologize. I presented a living body to the thing, so it took me as its host, right? Now, I barely remember any of it. All I can remember is being consumed by this bloodlust, this urge to kill, to strike, to destroy, spread chaos. Chaos! seems to be the key word here. It's the one thing I remember being stuck in my head. Chaos. Blood and misery and chaos everywhere. And in between all the killings, it'd make me come back here, back to the mall, to rest, recharge, get ready for the next one. Well, tonight, fate had other ideas. Six mortals come in, urban explorers. One of them decides to branch off on her own. Well, she happens to run into me. So the demon, the bane, does its thing. And I said after her. I'm about to tear her to shreds and then... I don't know, some lost shred of willpower within me. Something inside me. Didn't help that she was brandishing a crucifix. Uh, well... Who gives a fuck about the crucifix, but didn't help she was brandishing a silver crucifix at the last moment. Must have touched my skin, and the burn must have been enough to jolt me out of it. Oh, does that really work? Oh yeah, it works. <laughs> Fascinating. She lifts up her right forearm, peels back the, the sleeve of her vest, and you can see a roughly cross-shaped welt on her skin. Alright. The pain was enough to pull me out of it, and so I forced it out, Tig and it popped into the, her. Tig puts the shotgun up, pops, o pops it open, pulls out the remaining cartridge. Silver shot, he says, handing it to her. It starts possessing you again, bought down on it, eh? She peers at it. Not what Grab I'd it. ever... Not something I'd ever think would be a good idea to do, but... Maybe you're right, she says. She slides it into into one of her pockets on her vest. Oh. He reloads. Janet, so it's hey. possessing her? Sorry. So the thing's jumped into that girl now. You've seen it's wearing a dress. And it's warped uh... her body to suit its needs. Janet, if, if it can possess, does it have a mind? She shrugs. 
Some Danes have mine, some don't. Seems to be some conscious thought to what it's doing, though. That's all Completely I need to Completely alien to me. All it wanted was to cause chaos to kill and destroy. And how much do you know about its supernatural origins? Well, there's a tear in the umbra, the veil, you'd call it, and it crawled through. Now, well, I'm not sure how much you leeches know what's going on, but it's pretty bloody clear to me and mine that it's that Pentex shit causing it, right? The Infernian? They're up to something alright with that putting stuff in a lot, I don't know, soul things? Read it in the paper. And I've been out on that platform and there's some weird shit going on out there. Agents of the worm, they are, she says. Agents of the worm and since, ever since one of you leeches got on the board, started doing things out in the bay, we've felt the worm's influence growing stronger in this town. That's what got, what's got you up all right up that Pentex platform, aren't they? It's neither here nor there right now. Right, We've got to right. deal with this bane. Send it back where it came from, and maybe we get through this unharmed. And your true, this little truce we've got turns into I don't know, maybe some kind of working relationship. Because I don't see, I don't see a Pentex logo on each of you. And I've been nah. hearing rumblings that you know some of the leeches maybe don't exactly know what's going on. It's. We don't got the full picture neither, but yeah. We get through this, we need to have one of them parlays is what we need. Right. So, so where, where, where can we ambush? So, basically, we find a place to lure it into where we can jump it without the other urban explorers getting trashed. And we uh, beat it to death. And... Uh, I don't know. A ritual it, set up. Kill it? I had a ritual set up, Janet says. I found a store up on the second floor. It's centrally located. It just so happens it's right in the dead center of the whole shopping mall. It's called Charlie's. Some kind of old decorations, fucking knickknacks and polka dotted coffee mugs and that shit. Charlie's. My wife used to love that place. So I set up a ritual there. I drew all the sigils on the floor. I've got all the components in place. When I started the ritual, that's what brought her out. You see, came into me. Now, if we can get it out of its host body, I can complete the ritual and we can send it back where we came, where it came from. You, she turns to Marion. You said you've peeked behind the veil before. Know anything about expelling spirits? Exorcism? Oh, we did that just the other day, actually. So if we can get to Charlie's, and you can find a way to get this thing out of its host body, then maybe Marion here can help me with the ritual. We get it ready to go, recite the incantations, and Bob's your uncle! Things gone, I washed my hands of the whole mess and never mentioned to the rest of the pack I had to work with fucking leeches to get it done. Do what you got us, all fine with us. 
unless you've got a plan of your own. And, well, that's the part I'd like help with. How are we going to mm. get it out of its host body? We lure it to where it needs to be, and uh, I figure we kill the hell out of it. Sure, sure, that'd work. If the host <laughs> body's dead, it can't live in it anymore, so it's got to come out. Then it'll try to jump into me or one of yous, but if the ritual's ready to go at that point, it might not get a chance. Oh, my dog's at risk. She looks down at him. Those pups, little puppies, nah. Alright. I think so I may be able to get it out of the host body without violence. Without right. violence? Without killing the body, I don't know. Well, I've got no fucking idea how you're going to do that, but if you think it'll work, we'll give it a if try. If it has a mind, it should be possible. And if All it right. fails, then me and Tig and Bouncer back, and yes. Mr. Happy Meal over here and first day on the job here, if we gang up on it, we should be able to beat the shit out of it enough that it comes out, right? Push comes to shove, that will be necessary, yes. Sounds but like I a plan. think I can do this. We'll see. Cat, you know how to shoot a gun? Do you? Probably not. They don't teach kids right these days. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe so. Let me check the character sheet. Push my memory. Yeah, no, I have no idea. Alright, never mind then. Just do the best you can. To you make your way to the doorway, Janet stops for a moment. She winces, <sighs> baring her teeth, clutching her hand to her chest. Ugh, hold on a moment, she says. She holds her hand against the door frame and hunches over. <sighs> Thing did a number on me when I attacked it out there. Got away from me, scrambled up somewhere into the roof. <sighs> I've healed up the wound, but... I had to go out of Krynos form. I'm, I'm, I'm losing the wolf. I'm losing the wolf and... Alright. Uh, anything we, we can do to help with that? Or, uh... Her eyes linger on the unconscious urban explorer. Your mate Wolf here. He's already taken care of one of them. And this bloke here, when he wakes up, He's not going to be able to breathe without a doctor's help, right? After you've done a number on his mind and... Well, the litany says, avoid... Avoid human flesh, but... I'm losing the wolf, see? Well, and if we're going to have to fight this thing... This, and I'm going to fight. walk out of here and let you make that very odd decision that a lot of us have had to make before. So you meet us... Uh, we'll meet you out there when you do it out, okay? She peers over at Marion. You're the one who put him in this state, can smell his blood on you. He's technically your prey, you hunted him. Give him to me. Oh, I don't have ownership over him. Takes size, then winces. Would, it, would a dog be the same? Dog. She peers down at one of the dogs. He looks up at her, tilting his head. She nods. Yeah, don't have to be human flesh, just has to be fresh meat, All right. bloody. 
Shaggy. Get the raid build and get the wolf back, you Shaggy. know, so I can fight. You, you, you stay here. Good boy. Scoob, deal with me. The last dog barks. Tig walks out. Wags his tail as Tig leads the rest of you out of the room. The last one out pulls the door shut behind them. And as soon as the door's shut, you hear a yelp. And then the sound of cracking bone. A few minutes later, the control room door is flung open again. And Janet steps out, blood dripping from her bottom lip. Marion squeezes Tig's hand. Die against the lupine in five, ten years. Die here now against one. What's the difference? Top nosh, Tig! She says, smiling. Please. Wouldn't be the first time. For what it's worth, I appreciate it. Not every day a leech uh, would do such a gesture of uh, kindness. That kid but... didn't do nothing to deserve death here. Let's get this over with so he lives. I can feel, I can feel the wolf coming back, she says, flexing her fingers. If I need to, I can go in a Krynos, but let's hope it doesn't come to that. Let's hope Marion's plan here works. Alright, follow me. I'll take us to Charlie's. She takes a step forwards, then stops, whirls around. Anything you gotta get done? I recommend getting it done now, because once we're in that store, once that thing is lured out, in for a penny, in for a pound, as they say. Is everyone fed up? Ah, uh, yeah. That was scrappy. I'm full. Uh... Oh, I should be right. Should be alright, you sure, Bouncer? Alright. That is should be alright. Uh, that means three, but I'm not sure what I'm gonna feed on. <laughs> <laughs> Four more, three more mortals out there somewhere, says Janet, smiling. I understand you leeches don't have to kill, strictly. You can have a bit more restraint than your friend here. Oh, yeah, he didn't true. mean to. And I'd like to note for the record that uh, Marion is being extra protective of Wolf because she's probably slightly blood bonded to him. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. one stage at least. Yeah, Wolf is not paying attention to any of this whatsoever. He's just yeah. like checking his notebook, pretending none of this is happening, disassociating, and hoping that this will be over soon. I, I was intentionally ignoring. Yeah, I always forget that Wolf's thing Bounce. is that this is really not his crowd. Yeah, but he doesn't care. <laughs> do we do a quick hunt before we do this, or do we just get it over with? I don't think we have time. Yeah, yeah let's we just get it over with. Get it over with. Do you know how to handle a gun? Me, yeah. she says. Never had to fire one in me life. Not as if no. I've needed it. Marianne no, you're a fucking ten foot tall wolf when you need to be. I'm talking bouncer. No, uh, no. Marion's got one. Except in for the firearms. last time you tried to get me to fire one, no. <laughs> All right. Well, Marion's got other things to do. All right, let's get this over with. And so, I mean, she wouldn't mind a, a, a little sidearm if you've got something. Actually, no, she probably still has her um, her little pistol yeah. on her. She doesn't use it much, but she does carry it. Yeah, she does have a little pistol. Keeps it in her handbag. Mm -hmm. And so, you continue on. 
It's in a breast pocket right now. She's not carrying her handbag around. <laughs> Janet leading the way. She doesn't take you through the network of corridors as Kat did. Rather, she flings open another door and you cross an empty electronics store. There's still a couple of CRT televisions weighing down the shelves. As she makes her way swiftly across the store, she's looking left to right, sniffing the air. <laughs> Her body hunched over, almost on all fours, but not quite, keeping low and moving fast at the same time. The more you watch her move, the clearer it is that she is most certainly not human. And you wonder how she could even pass as one. When you get to the front of the store, she reaches out, grabs the shutter door, and you block your ears as... The ear-splitting sound of twisting metal fills the store as Janet grabs the shutter, pulls the bottom in, up into itself, and wrenches it out of the way, admitting you to the mall proper. You step out onto the grimy tile work and find yourself in the mall's central square, the food court. Yet more shutters pulled down over the restaurants. The food court is empty. Tables and chairs. Laid out. Equidistant from each other. The whole place is eerily empty, leaving an unsettling feeling in the back of your minds. And beyond the food court, there's an escalator. Non-operative. Making its way up to the second floor. Janet leads you across the food court, and just as you're about to reach the escalator, I would like everyone to make a wits awareness roll for me, please. I'm still at a debuff, aren't I? Um, I would say if you feel your compulsion is fulfilled, because I would say... I do not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is this... This would be a new scene, wouldn't it? Yeah, new scene. Yeah, okay. My wits butt has one off. Two successes here. That's a fail on Marion. I got a messy crit. Secret. Ooh, they're Ooh, just I'll coming get to tonight. you in a moment. <laughs> I'll get to you in a moment. I'm <laughs> oh, this poor girl. <laughs> first night on the job. Yeah, this is still her first yeah. night, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Wolf, how'd you go? Uh, you got four. So, you didn't get the fire drill going, which means there are still mortals in the mall. And as you cross the empty food court, weaving between the tables and the ornaments and the big fountain in the centre, you hear distant voices. Hey, you hear that scream before... Yeah, no, that's Amy. Amy went off on her own. She's going to jump out on us and just just keep filming, all right? Hey, hey, they got one of those electronics stores down there. You think they've got, like, those old TVs and stuff? Oh, we should put that up. Imagine all the, all the engagement we'd get on that. And Tig, with your eyes of the beast, you see clearly framed, stepping 
around the corner at the opposite end of the food court, emerging from another wing of the mall. Four, no, three. So I said four, I meant three, sorry. I'm a bit sick today. Um, three more urban explorers. Kids wearing casual kids' clothing, each, every, all three of them with their phones held in front of their faces, recording every second, flashlights on illuminating the area around them. And, Cat, as you hear their voices, as you hear them in the distance talking about their expedition, that hunger stirs within. They've taken. The other vampires have taken their feed, taken their fill. And they've left none for you. None for you except... Except these. And... Before anyone has a chance to react... Cat, you find yourself leaping over the barrier at the edge of the food court. Waving your hand and calling out to them. Yes, yes, bring them over here. Bring them. Bring them into your trap. Hey! 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 Someone over there? Calls one of the urban explorers, waving the flashlight on his phone. Thought we were the only ones in here tonight. Damn, Amy's brother does... Amy's brother really wasn't lying when he said he doesn't mind letting people in, huh? They take a few more steps, emerge uh, from the before, darkness. Before yep. they get, before we get into flashlight range, Tig's going to snap, GUN THEM DOWN, BOYS! <laughs> and just unload the shotgun above their heads. <laughs> Trying to so, scare them the fuck off. So cats so already run ahead and they sweep the flashlights across the floor just in time to see Cat's frame illuminated. Shit, says one of the urban explorers, seeing the way her hair is messed up around her face, the blood stains on her clothes, the tears in her pants and shirt after everything she's been through tonight. You... You okay? Says the urban explorer, just as Tig shouts, GUN HIM DOWN, BOYS! And the gunshot rings out. As the gunshot rings out, a girl tagging along behind them lets out a loud scream. SHIT! Shouts one of the urban explorers. He grabs both of his friends and throws himself to the ground. What the fuck? The fuck going on? He peers up at Cat. The fuck's going on here tonight? First Amy walks off, then that scream. Fucking gunshots? Okay, if it is dumb, this ain't not, there ain't nothing we can do. Cat, what will you <sighs> do? Um, the voice in your head is whispering 
Two of them are already dead. What's another one? Take them. Take them like the others. But at the same time, your original plan, Cat, was to get the fire alarm going, get them out of here, get them to safety. Right now, they're on the floor in front of you, cowering, eyes wide. I'm gonna try and tell them to leave. They have to roll for that. Would you like to employ your presence to set them at ease? Uh... We will give it a shot. <laughs> cool. Go ahead. Make me a charisma plus either persuade or we will say insight and you can add your presence to it. It's uh, success three. Success three. Their phones still raised, the flashlight scanning the darkness. They peer at you, and the man in front, the one who appears to be the leader, just frowns. And he says, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Sounded like gunshots, and there was a scream earlier, and... You're covered in dirt and blood and shit. Do you think? Do you think we've stumbled into like a robbery or, or a gang war or? You kneel down, look them in the eyes, feeling the blood well through your body, doing your very best to appear as unthreatening as possible. And what do you tell them? Uh, we, we, we can't leave, says the urban explorer, not with, not with Amy and, 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 and Katie and, and Katie and, 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 and Mike out there. If there's not cases run around shooting people up and. You should <laughs> Listen, there's there's something in here and you need to leave. You need to get out of here. You need to save your own skin. Something? Says the girl behind. What, what do you mean, something? There's animals in here. There's a bear. You need to get out of here. Do I hear that? I'd say the rest of you can hear it. You're still hill height. You're still just out, just out of the flashlight's radius in the darkness. Tig looks to his dog who starts growling. And slowly stalking closer. Oh, dogs and... So what, your hunter's animal control? I... The dog growls That's right, in the I'm... darkness. Go ahead, cat. That's right, we're here to... That's why you heard the gun. We're here to try and get them out of here. Or they can hurt anyone else. The dog growls in the darkness. And... The other urban explorer nods. Makes sense. 
places right on the edge of the suburb bushland beyond here. You know, a dingo or two could have got in and... Get those fucking civvies out of here before they get turned into dog food. All right, all right, all right, says the urban explorer, nodding. We'll, we'll clear out, but... What about our friends? There's another one of us out there, Amy, and two other two of us went to the we'll control take care room of it. and We'll take care of it. You We'll get about. He nods. Alright, uh Another gun's shot. Shit! There's more of them! Get them going! Get out of here now. Go. The explorer slowly rises to his feet, grabbing his friends by the arms. They take one last look at you and you get the feeling that he's waging an internal battle. That maybe he'd like to... Maybe he's working up the courage to ask if he can stick around, record the hunt. Because that'd be way more interesting than an abandoned mall. And then the girl tugs on his arm. Come on! Come on, Malcolm! Let's get out of here! And he sighs. Fine. Fine. We've got the old mannequins anyway standing there in the darkness. That'll be creepy. That'll get some likes. Alright, uh, if you see the others, tell them, tell them we're meeting back at my house, okay? You nod. Got it. Alright, guys, come on. Let's go. Let's go, my brother. Amy's brother will get us out of here and, and, and we'll get home. We'll start editing and, yeah. Throw a party. Job well done. And he leads the others away from the food court back around the corner. Well done, says Janet, stepping forwards. Her arms folded. They had the Thought you were going to eat him! Self-preservation, oh, yeah. right. They had no fucking self-preservation. Kids these fucking days. Not you, not you, cat. You did great. Good job improving. Let's get this over with. Do anything to get likes on their fucking TikTok, Janet growls. Thought, thought we'd have no choice but to eat them, but you did well, kid. All right, come on. Let's go up the escalator. Hope none of you are afraid of heights. Hope none of you are afraid of walking neither, because this thing ain't fucking working. That's a good thing about escalators. When they break, there's just stairs. Let's go. <laughs> she leads you up the escalator to the second floor of the mall and begins moving with purpose, leading you past yet more shuttered storefronts. You cross a sort of indoor picnic area, a colourful playground with some park benches and places to sit strewn around it looking incredibly sad abandoned in the darkness the children slide having been disassembled disassembled and laid down on the floor and just past it you see your destination there it is says janet pointing ahead and you could see the faded billboard reading charlie's homewares this is not like the other stores it's a big box department store that well tig would be aware back in the 90s specialized in homewares furniture patio patio chairs barbecues 
things of that nature. Uh, of course, all the little knickknacks you could put on your shelves inside. Pictures of fruit, polka dot, polka dot mugs, ornaments of TV characters. But right now, Charlie's is empty. It's a big open space that, if you didn't know any better, you'd say takes up at least a third of this floor of the mall. There's a couple empty racks and shelves, but someone, probably Janet, has pushed them aside, pressed them up against the perimeter walls. The centre of the floor space has been totally cleared out, and aside from a couple of cardboard boxes and scattered yellowed catalogues, there's nothing there. Save for you, Marion. As, as Janet leads you all into Charlie's, you see something begin to glow in the centre of the big open floor space, and your dot of oblivion allows you to register the magic sigil that Janet has prepared. So large that it takes up the majority of the store. Geometric lines and shapes crisscrossing across the floor, onto the walls, onto the roof. Subtly glowing, just enough that you can see them, but to everyone else, completely invisible. Right, says Janet. The sigil's been prepared, and I got about a minute or two into the ritual before it came out and jumped me. So, as soon as we start, as soon as I start getting everything ready, priming the sigil, I imagine she'll appear. That's when you do your thing, right? That's the plan, that's the plan I'm thinking. Anyone got any objections? Nope. Right. This thing you came up above last time. What's the ceiling look like? The ceiling of this store is thankfully intact. It's a series of little square plastic plates. Occasionally there's an air vent interspersed between them. Alright. Probably not a vector. Alright. Anyone got any preparations? No? I'm ready. Alright. You! She looks over at Wolf. With the notes, you seem to be good at noticing things. You want to help me with the ritual? Not particularly. What are you going to do then? Because I ain't got no patience for leeches that just stand around. Sounds like a new problem. Wolf's... Wolf's fast as shit. The thing shows up, there'll be knife in it. Fast. Knife. See, he gets it. Right. Alright. I'm gonna need someone... I'm gonna need help to prime the sigil. Otherwise, we're gonna be here all night. Now, yeah. I can tell you where to go, tell you what to do. Anyone can do it, really, but 
if you can see the sigil, if you can glimpse the umbra, she peers over at Marion. It's all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. Right. I'll handle this side of the room, you handle that side. She claps her hands together. Let's do this. She makes her way to the back of the store, closes her eyes, clasps her hands together, and begins just sort of slowly patrolling, muttering something under her breath. Something that's not English, or rather any language that you can understand. Marion, your oblivion will make this run a lot quicker, but... You still don't have the expertise you need. It will help you, though. If you'd like, you may activate the Binding Fetter. Yeah, she would. Yeah. So go ahead and make a Wits Oblivion roll for me. No Rouse check needed, because it's the Binding Fetter. Uh, oh, I'll hang on, no. Ignore the messy on that. It should just be two successes. I got the wrong hunger on there. You peer around the room, seeing, focusing on the glowing geometric shapes and lines that are splayed into the floor and the walls, and somewhere near the entrance of the store, you see a particular portion of it glowing brighter than the others. The part where all of the lines seem to converge and form into a small semicircle that's painted around one of the counters at the front of the big box store. The entire the, the air around this semicircle seems to be shimmering, seems to be glittering, seems to be dancing, and it is clear to you that This portion of the sigil is where most of the energy is gathering, so you get to work. You head over to the semicircle, stand on the edge of the shimmering air, and you peer over over at Janet, seeing what she's doing, seeing her with her eyes closed, hands clasped together, muttering. And at this point, at this point, the air around you grows cold. The temperature drops suddenly. You feel the chill on your skin as Atticus's voice whispers in your mind. I'm here. What will you have me do? Oh, it's, it's good to see you. Um, stand by for a moment. I think this could be interesting. I sense tears in the veil here, and here, and here, he says, pointing out the spot where you're standing, and a couple others around the room. Do you need help closing them? So that we may stem the tide of the forces of the underworld. Actually... Uh, Janet, um... There are quite a few uh, tears in, uh, we call it the veil. I don't know if that means anything to you around here. Would, would, would closing those help at all? She looks over at you. 
Ritual will send the Bane back through the tear. We need at least one open, but the others... Well, that'll stop more from coming through at some point in the future. Ah, I see the points of what we're doing. Okay. Um... Okay, I, I can close all but one if you would if that would help. Go ahead, she says. Would you like to do it yourself, or will you task Atticus with it? She's going to get Atticus to do it while she continues with the ritual. If you could see Atticus, you would see him standing in full Legionnaire's regalia, smashing his fist against his chest plate, giving you a Roman salute as he gets to work. Instead... He simply rumbles in the back of your mind, understood, and you feel the cold chill lifting as he moves to other parts of the room, and gets she... to work sealing the tears. Oh, Go so ahead, Mary. She would, she would just communicate to him as well, and uh, I promise more interesting things to come. So with Atticus tasked to t closing the tears, that means that Janet no longer needs to prime the ritual herself. She seems to recognize this. She opens her eyes, looks over at you and says, don't know what you did, but I felt one of them close and the sigil brimming with energy. She's coming. Sure enough, from somewhere out in the darkness of the mall, you hear it, the sobbing, the weeping of the demon drawing near. places everyone pig you have you have eyes of the beast active again oh yeah make me a wits awareness check please all right it's not technically a lupine but may i throw in huntsman you may have a lupine with you so all right close enough the quarry is approaching that's three extra two extra dice three extra dice i think it's two Two extra dice. That's three successes. Three successes. The sobs grow louder and louder. You see everyone else peering out the entrance of the store, out into the black haze of the moor, waiting for the thing to emerge. And then you see where Janet's looking, up towards the roof. And you Back join her. And you see one of the air vents over at the back of the store, just behind the coterie, beginning to sag. Behind you! Tick says, rushing that way. Crap! Yeah. Hmm, I'm gonna pick one of you at random. <laughs> I'll fire up a few things while I'm. You hear Tig shout, Behind ya! And then Wolf. You hear a crash and, and have a split second to register something long, impossibly thin, and impossibly gangly dropping out, undulating out of the air vent just behind you. What do you do? I mean, his usual MO is to, to knife things that seems to kill them. Yeah. The weeping grows louder as the grating of the air vent clangs onto the floor and the thing begins to undulate. 
impossible limbs hoisting themselves out of the hole and dropping down towards you. Go ahead, please, Wolf, and make me a... Uh, make me a dexterity melee check, and if you would like, you can rouse the blood and add your celerity as part of your blink. Yeah, that was the plan. See how many successes you get. Ah, uh, that's four successes. Four successes? But so, I will willpower that. You're gonna willpower? Go ahead. Ah, uh, five. Ooh, lucky. So, as the thing undulates, you notice that its right arm appears to be bent back at an unusual angle, as if something snapped the joint. It's right arm, rather than reaching out towards you, hangs limply over its shoulder, its skeletal claws gnashing at nothing. When Bouncer brought the scaffolding down upon it, it happened to get impaled on an iron pipe, and as it was blasted away by the impact, the fact that its arm was impaled on the pipe caused it to snap back, <coughs> breaking the joint. So I'm going to knock a dice off its dice pool uh, to account for the fact that its body is already broken from Bouncer dropping scaffolding on top of it. And that means it gets four successes. It drops down, thuds onto the floor, opens its mouth, and lets out a very, very unsettling cry, like a baby that's laughing at someone playing peekaboo in front of it, and gnashes at you with its one good arm. You step back out of the way as its claws cut the air, and then you withdraw your knife and speed towards it, any particular spot you're aiming for? It all seems pretty unknowable, so... <laughs> Center mass, I guess? Center mass, yeah. You rush forwards and plunge your blade into what passes for its chest, severing the bodice of the tattered dress, which finally falls away, revealing the thing's torso, revealing folds of pale white skin over rib bones that peek out straining against it and you deal three points of superficial damage to it you wrench your knife back out and prepare to strike again if need be tig bouncer marion cat what would you like to do like to run up and try to grab it and hang on so that the amulet is pushing into it. Bouncer? Uh, yeah, I guess her main idea was just going to be trying to like slow it down to complete whatever they're trying to do. Yep, slow it down if Tig fails. Uh, and Marion, I know what you're preparing to do, but what are you doing? F what are you doing to get ready for that? 
Uh, really, she's just she's just trying to like wait for the moment where she can get its uh, get its attention. Yeah. And Cat, are you doing anything? Um. If you're not fighting, hide! Roars Janet. Don't let it see you. Yeah, I might turn on my um, obfuscate if yeah. I can. On that note, Marion makes herself very apparent. She's not like being loud and rambunctious or anything, but she's just being very obviously present. Yeah. So, Cat, you simply step backwards into the shadows in the corner of the store. Go ahead, make a rouse check for me. I uh, get hungrier. Get hungrier. You feel once more that terrible hunger pain through your body as you reach out, seeming to grab the darkness and pull it around you as a cloak, hiding you, keeping you safe. And then, as the creature... As the creature stumbles backwards, flails its arm, recovering from Wolf's blow with the knife, Tig roars and rushes forwards. Go, Tig, make me a strength brawl check. Alright, I did boost that, got that activated along with the fortitude stuff. Should do that over in the Lucky Die channel. That'll be three successes. Three successes. As Wolf wrenches the blade of his knife out of its chest, it immediately throws itself forwards, letting out a hiss. <laughs> and you take this chance to spring forwards, wrapping your arms around it, pinning it under your body, grabbing the, grabbing the canine skull and forcing it against the beast's flesh. Its pale skin begins to roil and twist and burn as the magic from the ward sears it. It continues to sob louder and louder and louder, the babyish laughing, turning into yelps of pain, sobs of terror and anger in the same breath. And then... The Lupine looks over at Marion and nods. Well, your friend's got it pinned. Do what you gotta do! Okay, uh... Marion... Marion steps forward and tries to get its gaze. Hmm. Tig's holding it down. It can't attack you. It's straining against Tig's arms trying to pull itself away from the ward which Tig is using to pin it to the ground but it's not exactly looking at you so I will ask you to go ahead and roll for me uh, let me check for dominate what you have to do to get someone's gaze okay um I will ask you to go ahead and roll me A charisma plus dominate. Actually, let me see. This is a specific thing you have to roll if someone's looking away. Um, let me see. Let me, sorry, sorry. I, no, I assumed okay. I'd be able to find it. Ah, there we go. Uh, yeah. 
There we go. Resisting. Okay. So I'd like you to make a wits resolve roll for me, please. Okay. God, if only I had milled Palmineo here. Yeah. Uh, two on that. Two. Alright, I'm going to make it roll a wits resolve of its own. I'm going to give it two penalty dice. One because of the damage bounce inflicted, and another because of Tig holding it down. That's one success. It strains as you step closer. The babyish giggling and crying seeming to coalesce into a single sound as it strains its head to look away. And Tig digs his fingers into the back of its skull, growls, Look at her! And twists its head, twists its face to look into your eyes. Wretched fucking child. That is not your body. Leave it. Leave it. So, you're attempting to mesmerize it? Yes, I am. Which mm. manipulation dominate? Yeah, manipulation dominate versus Which is nine dice. Oh. Indeed. Oh no, <laughs> I get Two successes. I'm going to reroll that. Go ahead. You might want to willpower that. Then the Kendonite. Three. Oh my god. Three? You want another willpower? Nah, I'll leave it for now. Alright. It's got four dice, four in its pool for mental defense. Oh, that's not too bad. Shot. Okay. You got a good shot. It's going to spend a willpower and end up with four successes. Oh, you're kidding me. It looks back into your eyes, its own eyes flashing red. It opens its mouth, and for the first time, it does not weep or cry like a child. Instead, a deep, booming voice, something that is not at all human, something that you could never, for even a second, mistake for being human, booms across the empty store. Know your place! Blood for Castoth! And it desperately tries to strain against Tig. Tig, go ahead, roll me a strength brawl. Alrighty then. Uh, Tig has one job. You know what, I'm going to willpower that. There we go, five successes. Five successes. You strain, you strain, summoning all the strength you have, pressing the cane, cracked canine skull as deeply as you can into its searing flesh. You peer over the struggling beast, look at Janet. She meets your eyes and nods, and then her vest begins to snap and tear. Her jeans break apart as her body begins to morph as... She grows taller and taller. The nine-foot-tall lupine lets out a roar as it charges forwards, throwing itself onto the beast, gritting its teeth in pain and rage as Tig's ward burns its flesh too. No! groans Janet. Try again! Destroy the body! Destroy the body! You have another chance, Marion. Destroy the body, okay. Wait, okay, because that... She's trying to not destroy the body. Okay, I, I got you. 
You either leave or we destroy the body. Either way, you're coming out. Go ahead and roll me again. Manipulation plus dominate. Would you like to buff your... Would you like to rouse the blood to boost your... She would do, yes. Yeah. She doesn't get hungrier. Five successes. Five successes. Oh, yeah. That's enough. Spending Less another point of willpower. Four successes again. You look deep into its eyes. It opens its mouth. Never! You know not what you mess with. Not back to hell. Not again. Not now that we've been able to get through and... Whatever it's about to say, it doesn't finish. It opens its mouth and screams. Screams the scream of a tortured, dying girl. Light. The demon fights in vain to escape, to cling to its earthly vessel, but with Tig holding it down, with Janet Draining against the ward, taking damage, destroying her own body to keep this thing held down. It cannot resist. It takes one look at Marion's face and for the first time you peer down at it, Marion, and you see not a long, impossibly tall and thin, pale-skinned creature, but... The face of a scared teenage girl looking up at you, her eyes trembling with fear, her bottom lip shaking as she opens her mouth and screams. Her scream echoes through the empty store, shaking your very souls, and then suddenly, silence. Her eyes roll back into their sockets and she falls limp. No! Shouts Janet, no! The ritual! Deal the tear! Stem the flow from the underworld! Shouts Atticus in the back of Marion's mind. For the glory of Rome! Marion, go ahead and roll me five dice for Atticus, please. Can do. Three. Three. I'm going to roll for the demon to see if it can get to another body in time. If Janet had to physically run to the edges of the sigil, prime the energy in the sigil and close the tears herself, the demon would have most certainly been able to leap to a new host. Whether it was Tig, Janet, or baby Marion. That's irrelevant. As you feel the air in the store, chill. Chill like 
like you're suddenly plunged into a freezer, and Atticus works his magic, surging in a single moment, travelling between the worlds, riding the curtain, riding the veil between the Skinlands and the Shadowlands. Around you, Marion, you see the points of the sigil glowing, the air shimmering, and one by one, in the span of a single second, they stop. The shimmers depart as if blown away by a gust of wind, and the glow subsides. The chill in the room fades, and in your mind's eye you see him, Atticus, the legionnaire, slapping his chest plate, smiling at you, nodding, saluting in respect. She salutes back. And then, all is silent. <sighs> Janet exhales loudly as she rolls off Tig, clutching her hand towards the burning welt in the middle of her torso. Her body begins to shrink once more as she discards her Krynos form, and... Janet, the woman, once again stares up at you, her vest torn, her shirt hanging lopsided on her body, her jeans missing a leg. Fuck. I don't know what you did, Leech, but you did it. Yes, well, good job, everyone. All right. So, you ain't gonna go and kill no more, you don't think? Janet takes a moment to compose herself, lying on the floor, catching her breath, and then, after a while, she pulls herself up into a crawling position. Her eyes narrow as she stares around the room. At last, she climbs to her feet. I don't know what you did, Leech, she says, peering at Marion. But the tears have all been closed. The umber isn't leaking in anymore, and... Even with all of Pentex's shit, I don't think there'll be any more Banes coming through here. Pays to have good friends. Want to tell me exactly what it is you did? You said something about a spirit. Fight fire with fire, as the saying goes. I assume your spirit worked their magic, closed everything from their end. That's the long and the short of it, yeah. Respect a friend of mine, Atticus. She looks around the room, peers over your shoulder as if she's trying to find him, as if she's trying to lay eyes on him herself, but he's already departed, already disappeared back into the Shadowlands. She shrugs. Your leeches are full of surprises. I'd heard you... I'd heard that you were walking corpses who drink people's blood to stay alive. Well, that's, I that's had not untrue. I hadn't heard anything about you being to being able to access the Umbra, speak to things on the other side. 
I have no clue what that means. But that's okay. I'm okay. hardly an expert myself, honestly, but uh, apparently it paid off. Still, that a leech can wield that power at all, that a leech can peer beyond the veil and understands that what they see is not all that there is. She thinks for a moment, her oddly canine face sinking as she thinks. She holds out a beefy, hairy hand once again. Appreciate the help. Marion takes takes it and shakes it genuinely. She says, my pleasure. Though I'm afraid that was a bit of an anticlimax at the end there. Better an anticlimax than getting torn to shreds. I would have had to call for backup from the pack and... Well, things are cleaner this way, she says. No more killings, no more blood, and... I understand I've done some things. I understand I've caused some trouble on Leech Domain. So, if you think I should hand myself in, pay for my crimes, I'll come with you. Oh, I won't perish the fine. I won't go kindly or quietly, mind. You'll have to rub me up a bit, but... Rough me up a bit, but... Ah, no. As far as we're concerned, we're gonna tell him we went in for werewolf. He found that thing, and it was doing the killings, which is true. We're just gonna leave out the body up and butt. Good, she says, smiling, baring her oddly sharp teeth. Good! And and you come by the farm some night with a flag of truce if you want to parlay, just knock at the gate, alright? One thing, she says. Water under the bridge. You're letting me go. You tell your Count fucking Orlock that you came for a lupine and you caught that and that's what was doing the killing. All good, settled, no more problems. And you're letting me run loose into the night. Now, see, to me, that sounds like you're willing to live and let live. Let bygones be bygones, right? Because we had, we were working towards the same goal here tonight. So before I go, I'm going to ask you one thing. Pentex! She jabs a finger in each of your fingers. Pentex! Where do you stand? I mean, I don't fucking like them. I'm not sure what's going on, but they're up to something. I know they make shitty feed that makes cows sick. I'll tell you, they rip me right off so they can fucking go to hell. If it comes down to it, and your leech bullshit puts you in the firing line of Pentex... I can trust you'll do the right thing, that you'll actually try to bring him down and not just sell your soul to whatever, whatever tendril of the worm has wrapped itself around them. The worm? Sunk itself in. The worm. 
the worm, the bringer of all chaos, all destruction, the thing that seeks to destroy Gaia and all her children. Now, so, like, yeah. werewolf Satan, alright. I'm afraid I've lo you've lost me. Don't worry about the specifics. I only need to know one thing. When the chips are down, and Pentex is in front of you, will you fight against them? Or will you become agents of the worm? There's a leech. Andrea Church. She's at the heart of all of this. Oh, so we got I'm... a bone to pick with Andrea. You know Andrea? She needs to fucking turn to mush. She's courting all sorts of things from beyond the Umbra Banes, demons. Seeks to turn this city over to her master. And her master, of course, is an aspect of the worm. So, this Andrea Church, she ain't your master. Right? Oh no, we, God, we oh did. No. She turned a kid into a vampire. We are going to kill the fuck out of her for that among many, many other things. <laughs> Infernalist leech, agent of the worm, and her partner. The one they call Samantha Stokes. My pack wants them both dead. That and Pentex shut down. Afamo. I thought Sam and Andrea were splits. To me, she says, we've got two names. Two names. Who are all of this? Infernalists who arrived in this city decades ago who've been working to awaken that thing in the bay, that bane, earthbound, whatever you want to call it, to turn so this domain over to the worm and steep it in the worm's corruption. So you're thinking this Sam, you're thinking Sam Stokes is working with Andrea still? You thinking that's what's going on? She shrugs. All I know is that we have two names. Two leeches that we've been trying so very hard to find to put an end to this. Now, I need to know. Do you intend on doing the bidding of either? If we ask you, if we say Andrea Church, Sam Stokes, if they gotta be put in the ground, you've already proven you're willing to fight against the worm tonight. Can if I anyone, rely? If ahead, anyone Marianne. aligns with Andrea, they mean nothing to us. Less than nothing. If Sam, if Sam is working with Andrea, she needs to get fucking dead. But here's a thing. Sam helped me out big time once. So I, I'm going to give her a chance to explain herself before I put her in the ground. You do whatever you want, means nothing to me. If she ain't involved, she ain't involved. But Andrea Church, infernalists like her, 
Leeches like her, they never act alone. Always in pairs. Always in... What do you call it? Coteries. Never just one. The rest of you, what do you say? If we have a common target, will you work? Work with Lupine? Gladly. She smiles. Nice, nice to be on the other side for once. Take that as a yes. Alright. Here. She reaches into her vest pocket. Fishes a pen off one of the cardboard boxes that's scattered across the shop. Scrawls something down and hands it to you, Tig. Call that phone number if you find anything you think I might be interested in. Now, I'm working with you. That don't mean you're down with all the other lupines in G-Town, right? They see you, as far as I'm concerned. Only good leech is a dead leech. They'll try to rip you limb from limb. But, maybe toss my name around. Maybe give me a call and I'll do what I can to negotiate safe passage. If you need it. And when the time comes, when you've set eyes on this Andrea church, I'll be there. I'll be there to help you destroy the agents of the worm. She flashes one more smile and then turns and running on all fours, disappears out of the store into the darkness. Somewhere in the distance, you hear a howl as she howls at the moon and then shattering glass as she vacates the mall, leaving you behind. Now, Tig's still lying flat on his back. He hasn't gotten up. The, 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 the person that was being uh, possessed is thoroughly dead, right? Yeah, she's dead. All right, okay. Wolf. We got this body to get rid of, and we got that one back in the control room to clean up. Marion, do you think you need to do your memory wooju on that fella you drank from again? We should have probably sent him to hospital. <sighs> he should believe that some criminals killed his companion, and that he fainted. That's all he'll have. All right. Well, let's clean the bodies and get the fuck out of here. As you rise to your feet, take stock of the situation and get to work. We've got a couple of dogs to collect. The lupine's words weigh, ling weigh heavy, linger in your mind. Andrea, Andrea Church and her partner, Sam Stokes. What do you write down in your notebook, Wolf? Uh, the notebook's for, for cleaning. <laughs> cleaning? <laughs> what are your thoughts? Uh, he'll have some thinking to do. Definitely, after what's happened tonight, being forced into this mess, all because Sam couldn't cover her tracks. You killed someone down there in that control room, and... You don't particularly care about them, but that's a mess that you made. And there's one thing Wolf doesn't like, and that's 
making messes. That's why he feeds the way he does. And so we move on. About an hour later, you've all long since dispersed for the night, headed back to your havens. It's rolling up to 4.30 in the morning. The sun will be up within the hour. You've told Cat that wherever she stays, she needs to stay somewhere where she knows she's safe. She can never go back home. She needs to find a place where she can sleep and trust that she won't be disturbed, not just for her sake, but for the sake of those around her. But before you retire for the night, there's one last thing that Marion needs to do. You climb the stairs, step past the faux Roman columns that mark the front facade of the town hall, and see Flick waving you over. She's standing in front of the entrance, her left hand clasped in Nadine's, the two of them standing side by side. Flick waves, Ami Marion! And as you approach, Nadine simply flashes you a knowing smile. Oh, look at all that blood on you. You've gone from Devil Wears Prada to Friday the 13th. The first when, one, you know, the one where Jason's old, decrepit mother was the killer? When Marion helped extinguish the Bane, uh, her compulsion went with it. However, she's not fully satisfied, and there's an itching at the back of her mind, because she didn't get to try something that th she thinks she might be able to do now. And it really does cross her mind right now, but she puts it up. And she, she ignores Nadine's comment and says, Flick, it's lovely to see you, sweetheart. Did you enjoy the movie? <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was okay. Not my favourite. Nadine said you were watching The American Werewolf in London. And you didn't invite me. I'm so sorry, sweetheart. It, it was a it was a family thing. As you as you step towards her, Nadine rolls her eyes. She releases her child from her grasp, and Flick rushes towards you. She holds out her arms and wraps them around your leg, embracing you in a hug. Nadine takes in the scene, smiling, and then she says. Word to the wise. Flick doesn't like to be cooped up. Colouring books are only so stimulating, you understand? I understand that. She knows how to hunt. She's done it before. You should start letting her out. Supervised, of course. Child, She's a child. 
child she may be, but a kindred she is also, and may I remind you, the child of a primogen. Just to start learning. The sooner the better. <sighs> Just... All right, you know what? I've had a hell of a night. I'll be upfront with it. Have you been speaking with her? Speaking? How could I when she's... Don't give me all... that bullshit, Nadine. Oh. Go ahead, Marion, and make me a manipulation plus either intimidation or subterfuge check. And do. The smile drops off her face. She's a Malkavian, as am I. I'm sure you understand that we have ways of communicating. That's the question. We are bound together by blood. Yes, you are her guardian. But my blood runs through her veins. I embraced her. Mm-hmm. And, and how will the prince feel about you circumventing her direct orders? The prince doesn't know won't hurt her, says Nadine. Nor will it hurt Hawthorne. I just... The prince would appreciate that I'm doing my due diligence as a primogen and ensuring that... Flick here comes into her own as a kindred, understanding her place and her role, and not, uh, not indoctrinated by a clan of necrophiliacs. Excuse me. Hey, I didn't say it, but you all remind me of that movie with the cult out in the, the town in the desert where they kill people, and then, you know... Nadine, I really wouldn't be bringing that up right now. I was actually about to make a peace offering. Ah! Begotten, she says. A necromantic! Or, 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 or the devil's rejects! Take your pick! Hell, could even throw some leather face in there if you like. Needless to say, your ward she may be, but my child she is, and a child of the Camaria as well. I'm just making sure she doesn't become indoctrinated into your silly little cult. Again, I'm really trying to give you a peace offering right now, Nadine, so maybe watch your fucking tongue. You wouldn't threaten the primogen, she says. I'm giving good advice. Might have to stamp your movie ticket. Are you interested in an olive branch, Nadine? Sure. Good. I... <sighs> 
If you're going to be speaking with her behind my back, then I'd rather you just do it in front of it. Do you want joint custody of her? Primogen, she says. I have no time to be taking a fledgling hunting. You have plenty of time to be talking to her behind my back. So you have time to spend with her. Do you want to? Do you want to take some responsibility? Make me a... Make me a manipulation and subterfuge check for me. Um... Oh, she's not being... She's not lying. Oh, yeah, okay. So just... We'll say manipulation persuade. Yeah, cool. Doesn't actually change the role, but yeah. Uh, three. In Elysium, I never had a chance to speak my own voice, says Nadine. No one asked me if I wanted to train my own child. They just assumed that she had to be palmed off to someone else. And I understand. I didn't embrace her of my own accord, but I did so nonetheless. It was my blood. And, well, it was breaking my heart to see her guardian content with confining her to a hotel room. I was not content with confining her. As you well know, I'm constant. I am regularly required to perform duties for my superiors. I'm doing my best. You don't mind? Continue your duties. You're the one who's the teacher to feed, find a haven, yada yada yada. I understand you're getting quite good at that now, what with another wayward fledgling in your coterie. But education, politics, you leave that to me. Are you happy with that? Fine. Good. Now, when Flick says she's getting bored, and you're too busy uh, gooing corpses or whatever it is you do to take her, take her out, then tell her to contact me. Let your superiors know that I will be at the hotel to pick her up. And I will show her the niceties of night-to-night life as a kindred. At this, Flick sort of squeezes your leg and she says, I love you, Annie Marion, but you have crappy taste in movies. (laughs) I... I know, sweetheart. She tussles her hair. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for yelling in front of you for what it's worth. She just buries her face in your, in the folds of your suit. And she says, I want to go home. Let's take you, let's get you home. As you turn away from Nadine, grabbing Flick's hand, is there anything you say to her? No. 
She smiles as you turn away. Bye-bye, Flick! I'll see you on Thursday! Say we'll goodbye-bye the... to... Say goodbye to Auntie Nadine now. We'll watch the Chucky movies! Flick just... Flick just stops, and... She doesn't say anything at all. Instead, she just peers up into your face and smiles and says, Oh, I've already said goodbye. Come on. Marion just nods. Numbers is, numbers is already already rubbing against your car. He's going to start clawing the bodywork if we don't hurry up. Oh, let, let's go. Let's go. And as, uh, as, as she leaves, uh, Marion just vividly imagines using her potential new ability on, on the Dean. <laughs> on the dean. <laughs> you drive home with Flick in the back seat and the whole time you see her in the rear view mirror. She's stroking a cat on her lap that you cannot see. And then we go to our other epilogue for tonight. As, as Flick strokes the invisible cat, we go to a very tangible cat. Several nights later, you roll up on the doorstep of someone you haven't seen in years, someone you thought you would never see again, someone you desperately hoped you'd never see again, cat. Here, on the doorstep of their otherwise normal suburban house in the otherwise normal suburbs, a fitting sleepy facade for the gaslighting, for the emotional abuse, for the horrors that you were subjected to behind closed doors. The words of the other members of the Coterie linger in your mind. Find somewhere to stay. Somewhere to stay where you can trust nobody will disturb you for your sake and for theirs. You still have that image in your mind of Mike lying, drained of life energy, bloodless, broken in your arms. And it's true what they say. You can never go home again. And so you've come to the residence of your touchstone. Go ahead and describe them for us. Um. So. It was somebody that she met in class when she was still in university. Um, you know, a, uh. Fairly conventionally attractive, I suppose. Um, you, thought, you thought they were your college sweetheart at the time. How well, old is Kat? Uh, 20... I don't think we ever actually sorted that out. 20-something. Like 20, yeah, 26. Like early 20s? Mid-20s. Mid-20s. Mid okay. Like 25, 26, yeah. Yeah. Mid-20s. And it was a whirlwind romance at first. Conventionally attractive, smart, funny, college sweetheart, but what did it turn into? What happened once once the honeymoon period was over? What what were you subjected to? 
Well, then it became the... The gaslighting and the abuse began. You know, it starts small, insidious. They start to worm their way into your friend group. Start. Until... Making you question things. Question people. Until only you and he were left. The only person in your life, the only one who cared about you, or so he said. What was his name? We'll say his name is Kyle. Kyle. You pulled yourself away from Kyle, somehow. It took years to even realize the situation you were in, such is the way of gaslighters and abusers. You fought for your freedom, and here you are, knocking on his door in the middle of the night. He f opens the door immediately, and there he is, the face just as you remember him, that same sneering, smug, always right about everything attitude. He sees you standing there. Katrina! Long time no see. Hi. Come crawling back. <laughs> I knew you would. Oh, Tolly's job ended up being a dead end, I see. And, well, haven't heard, haven't heard anything from any of our friends. You haven't even tried to contact any of them. I was getting worried, thought... Thought maybe you were getting too wrapped up in your own head. But you're back. You're back and I'm here. I'm here to take care of you. To be strong for you and give you what you need. He holds out his hands to embrace you. What do you do? I'm going to take a step back. <laughs> he laughs. What's the matter? It's been, Don't what, me. three years, four years? I go to hug you and oh, you still won't let that go. It was nothing. I told you it was nothing. I didn't hit you. I didn't. I never hit you. So what? I got angry. I, I threw some things across the room a couple of times, but you always knew I loved you. I still do! He sees you standing there hovering awkwardly. Well, you contacted me out of the blue and... Might I say, you look like shit. You're all pale. You haven't got COVID, have you? You feeling alright? You wouldn't believe what I have. Well, I get the feeling... You want something. And, you know, like I said, I'm always there for you, Cat. I always have been, so... You want to crash on my couch for a few nights? Running out on someone yet again? Go ahead. I'll give you what you need. 
He steps aside, opening the door, gesturing you for, to, for you to step over the threshold. You have to invite me. Invite you? <laughs> what yes. are you? A vampire? You still just do it. You're still reading all those books. Just do aren't it. You? Please, please, Katrina, step over the threshold and grace me with your presence. Happy? Yes, thank you. You step over the threshold. And he pulls the door shut behind you, blocking you from the view of anyone outside. And then, standing there with him, in the hallway, you feel that pang of hunger. The pangs you've been trying so desperately to suppress over the last few nights, knowing that... Knowing that if you're to feed, if you're to satisfy them, someone has to die, and... You never, ever want to do that again. You're done being a monster. You won't be a monster. And yet Kyle stands before you. The vessels throbbing. Blood pumping through his body. He notices your eyes lingering on his neck. He laughs. That same smug laugh that tells you he's simultaneously laughing at something he finds entertaining. And telling you you're stupid. Acting like a child. Wow! You really are in on this whole vampire thing, aren't you? I told you to... Told you to stop reading that trash. You have much better things to do with your time. But... You know what? I hear... All that vampire shit, all those goths. I hear they've got some kinky shit they do in bed. He winks. Maybe you'd like to show me? God, fine. And this is where your predator type activates. You are a consensualist. You only take blood from those who are willing to give it to you. You never feed against your victim's will. And this, in your mind, justifies what you take from them. Kyle is your first. Satisfy the hunger on him that night. Leave him lying in his bed, leaning up against the bedhead, naked, sighing in ecstasy. <sighs> You're not sure if he believed you about the whole vampire thing. He probably thought he was taking you for a ride. But that's what you have to do to survive now. And we'll leave it there.